0: Listen to Garage Hammer, Episode 163 On tonight's episode The manlings get together And they talk about the undead And the gross real dead And the not so dead but think they're dead And just like to eat their family members Because well it's better than radishes Or something I suppose I don't really know It's kind of gross it's flesh eaters And I'm leaving now So
1: shut it I'm listening to me show Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours or thereabouts, we'll do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and have a laugh or three along the way, bringing you valorous men-at-arms, noble knights, and guys that will literally eat your heart out. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Skip Stevenson. That's right. Skip Stevenson? You really went there?
0: I brought out Skip Stevenson. Well, you know, I thought about Tor Johnson because I was watching Ed Wood the other day it is good. And George the Animal Steel just passed away like days I ago, know. and he played Tor Johnson in the Ed he Wood did. movie. So all this stuff was like a tri- I should have been Tor Johnson, but I just I went all the way back. Skip Stevenson. So it's brilliant. I can't help myself. I'm an idiot.
1: Uh, so how are you, buddy? I am good. I am recovering, and I'm very tired. You literally were at
0: the Holy Wars GT uh, less than 24 hours ago, weren't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was. It was a fantastic weekend. Um, If you've not played or not been following us on Twitter or anything like that, there is a lot of to-do going on over the weekend.
0: I saw lots of pictures, and I was very excited when you started off 20-0. Of course, you played against Joe. That's an easy 20-0 right there. You know, he's kind of new and then you have beaten the baby seal, making him leave the hobby again. That's okay, I get it. But at least you got the twenty-nil because we need to win this garage. Yeah, summer. this is no. I don't want to hear about all these other places making fun of us for not being a tournament tournament game podcast. So, yeah, you go out there and you win for us because Lord knows I'm going to lose horribly. So,
1: oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you no. do just fine. You were the last one of us to place at a tournament, so that's
0: true. That's true. That's true and I have actually I actually have I'm, I'm, I'm acquiring a very small but respectable uh pile of little wins and certificates which makes me very happy excellent The only thing I've never gotten is painted and that's i'm not I'm not even concerned about that one so i'm, I'm very <laughs> I'm very happy with what I'm doing here so uh and we all know that you you run the games because if you played in them you just would win all of them we know that's how that works. Good no, regular.
1: not really. That's not how that's not how this game is played at all. <laughs> but um, no, no, it was just it was nice to do something different because um, the the tables themselves are so narrative and so involved. And I just took the absolute wrong army to the event. Um, I took my stormcast, and just how the scenarios played, you need a lot of model count, and stormcast don't do that. So no, nope. it was all right. I mean, I. Still played very well. I got um, five great games in against um, a bunch of people that I don't get to play too often. And I'm still perfect against Detroit, 0-5. So, nice. Yeah. It's all good. Oh, wait. 0-5? Oh, wait. That's oh, backwards. Yeah. I, I know. That's a perfect it's, loss record against Detroit. Man. But it's still a perfect record.
0: That's true. I'd say something about them, but I, I I'm I'm quite fond of Andrea actually, so I don't want I don't want to, <laughs> you know, rally we all know him. But
1: <laughs> oh no no, they're all great. I, no, folks. No, they're all great <laughs> folks.
0: I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing because they're not from Chicago. And if you're not from Chicago, you're at the very best in second place. That's just kind of how that works. So yeah. uh, you guys can direct all your hate mail to me about that you want, but Chicago rules. That's not. I'm just. That's all. I'm. I'm not. Hey, I'm not saying. I'm just
1: saying. So. Listen, we should probably thank the sponsors before I put my foot farther into my mouth. Absolutely. Um, So we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, um, which are Unique Gifts and Games. And Grays Lake, Illinois. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos
0: Orc Superstore. That that last one was not quite... Yeah, that was was really crazy. That was like an orc belch. (laughs)
1: something. Um, And Six Squared Studios. Six
0: Squared Studios. For all your MDF hobby needs uh, And of course Let's not forget we need to thank Our Patreon associate producers James Mackey, Ryan Taylor And Shirley Tempel And you too can be A proud sponsor of this show uh, Go to Patreon.com To find out more um, ooh, Some exciting news uh, I finally got all my packaging together <laughs> And uh, I'm shipping out all the uh, all the zombies to the patron uh, the uh, the patrons this week. It's going to cost me a bajillion dollars in shipping, and everyone's getting everyone's getting a zombie though one of the one of the originals, one of the mm-hmm. swamp zombies from the from the from the fifth of a thousand zomblar project. Cause that's about we got about a quarter actually quarter of a thousand that's where we made it to before the game was, the game made a decided change and said there is absolutely no reason on God's green earth that you would have a thousand zombies on any table anywhere so
1: got close though
0: I hey I was doing my best I was working at it I was trying I really was so what are you gonna do okay and before we take a break uh, hey Alec guess what we we have voicemail we do we do. And anyone can call and leave a message. All they have to do is dial us at one gh show 6 That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. International callers from most countries, dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6 or 441-4696 if you don't have all the letters on your phone. So uh, feel free to call and leave a voice. You know, we got two, two That's impressive. I know. That's double what we've been getting recently, uh, which is a big increase from zero when we got even to one. So I will play the first one for you now.
2: Hey, Dave. This is Nick from over in Indiana. I just wanted to say that I'm enjoying the show. It's great to listen to while I hobby. I catch up on what's going on in AOS, and I get to hear about the AOS Bluff, which I really love. I'm attending... Adepticon for the first time this year, and it's my first AOS tournament. I'm there for the whole shebang, and I'm in AOS tournaments all four days. What should I expect? I've been to Gen Con, but that's as close as it gets to stuff like this. Also, what do you bring to Adepticon? I hope we bump into
0: each other at the tables. Thanks. Well, there you go. That's our first voicemail. And he wants Acon advice. Aha, so... Uh, Alex, you are the man to ask. If what, <laughs> what should he expect? Well, if he's playing all four days, he should expect to be tired. I'm going to tell you that he much. He should expect right to now. be
1: very tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would strongly encourage Dr. Scholl's uh, gel inserts. Quick plug there. Um, cause your feet are going to be hurting, buddy. Oh, man. Um, so
0: he's doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Friday is the team tournament. Thursday are yep. the vanguards and the big Game, I think, right? The War Host, yeah. War Host. So he's either doing the War Host or a couple of small ones. Then he's doing Team. And then he's on the two day GT. Oof. Yeah. that's. Oh, I remember my first couple of times at Gen Con, uh, at Adepticon, signing up for way too much stuff and being exhausted by Sunday, yeah. uh, driving the one hour drive home and then crashing so hard as if it was a 20 hour drive home.
1: Yeah, it's a. Uh- it's a haul. I haven't done, like, I mean, I've been running for a long time, but there was a time when I did the Ironman, and, oh, good lord. Uh. I gotta tell you. Dr. Shoals gel inserts, get those, take care of your feet, drink plenty of water, and eat vegetables. Like, some people don't do that because it's like, oh, boys weekend, I'm away from the wife and kids, I can, you know, eat whatever junk I want. No, no, bro, do yourself a favor. Get yourself some fruit and vegetables in the morning and the afternoon for lunch. That's fine. You just got to keep it going and Seriously, stay if you make
0: because... If you make nothing but burgers and, and that your three days of eating, by the end of it, you're going to be hurting.
1: Oh, yeah. Even like in the middle of it. And if you're, you know, coming to have a good time and you're just feeling icky, icky, stuff just ain't good. So exactly. definitely stock up on water, ensure, and a couple gel inserts because, man, I just – you make you get so grumpy when your feet hurt. Yep. You're standing all day, yep. so just take care of yourself, and you're just gonna have a ball. And there's gonna be a lot of fun stuff going on, and
0: yeah, there's so take, much. I mean, it's hard to say what to. I mean, he, plus if he signed up for that much, he's not gonna have a ton of time to go and do and look and see all the other things. That's the only. And I'm not saying you shouldn't sign up for the games. I'm just saying
1: when you make that much of a commitment on four days, you're pretty. That's that's what you're doing, man. Yeah, and just take the time to see. The rest of the con. Don't just. I mean, as much as I'm gonna love having you in the room, and thank you for coming. There is a ton more to see at Adepticon, so don't just stay in the little AOS bubble. Definitely branch out and take a look at everything. Exactly. It's, there is so much cool stuff. So
0: yeah, first year I did like one class and like all the tournaments I could get to, and then the next year I did. I was like, oh, that class was so awesome. So then I did the tournaments, and then I did the classes in the evenings. Oh,
1: that was just murder. That sounds like it hurts. Oh, it
0: it was so. It was uh, you can you can really overbook this if you want. Um, yeah,
1: but you got to do it once.
0: Oh yeah, no, you do. It took me a couple of years to get into my rhythm where it's like I know okay I can do about two classes before I have class overload, and I got about three days worth of gaming in me. Yeah. Before I start to get into burnout on that too, it just but it's it's mm-hmm. so much fun. I'm excited. I got yeah. my Stormcast so, just about ready for for AOS, so that's. I was just about
1: to ask what you're playing.
0: Oh yeah, I'm bringing my storm. <laughs> they're they're my only army that's on round bases right now. That's that's for AOS, so that's right now. That's what I'm doing. Um, and I've been playing. i you know it's like I've been building so much of this. I kind of wanted to move along and start my Fire Slayers or something like that, but it's like now there's new stuff coming out. I'm still building it. And so me and Greg Dan, I was, I was going to try to get Fireslayers done so he could play my Stormcast and I could play Fireslayers and then we wouldn't have to, he wouldn't have to bring extra army from England. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, are, are we allowed to have two of the same army for the team tournament? Is that yes. Moment? Okay, we might have to do that then because that's fainted. All right, good. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah. And then um, I'm running a lot of events, obviously, but I'm also playing in the Friday team. Oh, nice. Um, Yeah, so when, just future reference, when I ask people to help me, I make sure that you play at least one day because no one should have to run all four days because you're not getting the whole experience. Um, So I'm playing with John Wenger, and we're doing uh, the team tournament Devoted and Darkling Coven. So I am bringing 70 Flagellants and a War Altar because I'm a really smart guy.
0: Oh, you're doing that list again.
1: That list again. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you know what? That kind of worked with the stormcaster. though. We were having fun
0: with that. That was a good time. That was. was very good. Uh, no, that was so much fun. So, okay, you know what? Um, I think that pretty much answers everything he asked, and obviously, if not, we'll be talking more about that as we get closer to Adepticon. Let's get the second voicemail done and then hit hit break. So here's our second uh, voicemail we got.
2: Hey, Dave and Alex. Uh, so first off, I just want to thank you guys for always producing such an amazing show. It's easily one of the best podcasts out there. Uh, well, my name is Trip Ward, and I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I recently just got back into the hobby shortly after the release of Age of Sigmar, and I must say I'm absolutely loving the new direction Games Workshop is heading. Uh, I've never played in a tournament or attended a convention before, but after hearing how awesome Adepticon is, I knew I would have a blast attending this. And as of now, I'm signed up for the AOS War Hosts Tournament as well as both the Saturday and Sunday Championships. Um, So I just want to ask you guys, what would you say to newcomers going to Adepticon? Like what are the must-sees or the must-dos at the convention? And is there any advice that you wish you had your first time going? Um, Again, thank you guys so much for all of your hard work towards making this hobby and this community feel so welcoming. Uh, I'm absolutely stoked for Adepticon, and I cannot wait to see you guys there. Cheers.
0: Okay, so a second call and uh very similar in its uh in its tones and its questions. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Um I I it's not for me just as a TO who's been doing this for a long time. It's so great to hear people coming back or people coming for the first time and being excited about it. So, yeah. I mean, kudos to both the callers for Taking the time to come out and give this a shot. Um, But as far as I guess the big thing is like what to see. um, Man, there's so much to see. Yeah, yeah. And
0: he, well, he, you know, I I say he did one thing right. He signed up like he's got Thursday and then he's got Saturday and Sunday, but he's left his Friday open to try other things.
1: Yeah, assuming he's got something else going on in there, or even if he's just spending the day bumming around. There's just so much to do, and we've got spots just so you can try out new board games or you can rent a board game, so definitely do that, you know, take some time, sit down, make some new friends, check out the Vendor Hall, which is a ton of demos. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: a absolutely. ton of
1: people talking about new stuff that they're doing. You get to try new games, see what you like, buy some cool model kits. Um, and they always have, like, big games, too. Like, last year they did a Warmaster game using uh, essentially, like, eighth edition miniatures.
3: Right. On right. those
1: big movement trays and there was like sixteen giants on the table, including a couple like the forge rolled ones. There's just a lot to see at Adepticon, obviously besides the awesomeness of the Age of Sigmar room. So Speaking of the just, Awesomeness
0: of the Age of Sigmar.
1: Yeah. Didn't uh I think we
0: I think you hit I think you hit something awesome today, didn't you? Like did I I, I did get that text
1: this morning, did I not? You did. Um, I got it yesterday um, as we were wrapping up Holy Wars. Um, So they got the first announcement, but it's the first time I'll say it on the radio. Um, The championship is sold out. Um, 120 tickets. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to have about 17 drop between the Saturday only and then the people playing Sunday. But this is still going to be the largest AOS tournament in the country. Um, So... In that regard, it is in, in just in a year, we've tripled attendance, um, for the championship. The team tournament has more than tripled in attendance as well. Yep. Yep. Um, Yep. Just the numbers are amazing. I think we only have 12 spots left in the team event. So we started with 80 spots. So I think we have 68 teams playing, which is ridiculous. Um, (laughs) Oh, I that's mean, great. when I started doing Adepticon, our numbers were so high for years and years and years, and I was happy with, you know, like 10 extra spots or 20 extra spots. When you tell me that we've tripled in a year, it's suddenly like, oh, boy, what did I do? What did we get ourselves into? But this... it's just so awesome to see that.
0: Yeah. When you told me that, I was so excited. Now, let me ask you this, and. I think, and I say I think I know the answer, but I'm not 100% certain. Um, there's always last-minute drops at any tournament. Yes. We all know that. If you are coming to Adepticon and you could not get in to the tournament because it is full, but you are still interested, would you suggest maybe showing up on Saturday and seeing if there were drops or or people who didn't show up?
1: Yeah, that would not be the worst idea if you're local. Or if you're there already, because um, you got into a couple earlier events, I mean, I'm certainly going to take you on the spot. I mean, you'll obviously have to pay for it, but right, um, I'm not going to turn people away if I have spots to get people to play.
0: Like, I mean, so. it, it, there's, there's no real wait list. Like it's like a, we've done at other events, and we had done at other tournaments because it's at a, they don't have a wait lists ready for Adepticon. but yeah, they do. Oh, they do. We're
1: on a waitlist already for the championship. Oh, so they should we just had, sign up for the
0: waitlist then. Okay,
1: I didn't. Yeah, think get you had on a wait the waitlist. Yeah, God. no, it's get on the waitlist and then. Um, I mean, it goes in order of the waitlist, and who's there first? Okay, so
0: I didn't. For some reason, I never, I never saw like when stuff sold out. I didn't know there was a waitlist. So,
1: yeah, we 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 get them, and for a lot of other events, it's just the waitlist is pretty substantial. Ours is not that substantial yet. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still some people on there, like, there's some people on there that I was fully expecting to already be on there that didn't make it, Um, but, you know what, you just gotta come out, and if nothing else, I mean, you can stick around, help, and still be involved, there's always something to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's gonna be big grand all time, and the only stuff we've got tickets left for is the War Host. Um, and then the team, cause the PM Vanguard sold out, um, Jeez, yeah, it's just, it's bananas to me that we've grown so much in a year and it really just shows the strength of this game, the strength of this community and just the awesome people in it. So, I mean, I can't thank everyone enough for coming and it's going to be, it's going to be an absolute riot. I think everyone's going to love the packs I've put together and I just want everybody to get together, have a good time, laugh a lot. It's going to be great. I'm, no, it's going to be fantastic.
0: I'm, I'm super excited. I could not believe when you were keeping me posted as to how many tickets you'd sold. It was just like, oh, my gosh. Plus all the new bloods. I mean, how many new people are going for the first time this year to play AOS?
1: I know at least half a is, dozen. Yeah, there's a lot of people on the registration list I don't know. And that's very exciting. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: All right, but enough of that. We need to go take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got a few bits, a uh, little uh, Garage Hammer news uh, real quick, and then, uh, and then on to the Flesh Eater courts. So stick around, and we will be right back. Yeah, and we are
1: and we are back. <laughs> it's back. So, something happened over this weekend, Dave. Oh, yes? Lightning struck three times now, and we have a new Stormcast book. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is technically book three. Uh,
0: But it kind of, I mean, doesn't it fully replace books one and two at the same time? I mean, not with all the fluff, necessarily.
1: Yeah, so this is like a forked lightning bolt? Is that what this is? I guess so. A twin-tailed comet? Hey, there it is. But yeah, no, you uh, got a brand new Stormcast book. Um, just came out over the weekend. Um, I have not gotten mine yet. It's gorgeous.
0: I'm very upset. So but it was like I, I I I know I have mine coming, and it's it's just didn't get here in the mails yet. And I was just like ugh. And then I was at UGG, and they had an extra one. And they're like, did you want one? And I'm like, I could buy one, and then I'd have it for three days before I got the 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 other one. And that's just that's just crazy spending for no reason. So,
1: I'm yeah. I'm just trying to be patient. It's hard. This is a <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. This is a very awesome book. Um, there's just and if you've not really looked at it or if you've not held this thing in your hands yet, there is a lot to cover. And this is not like I don't even like the Zinch book was long. This is just about the same, if not longer, in content. Um, so this is going to take a while. So we didn't want to try to rush this out. Um, no, so we're definitely going to get to it. I think
0: we're done with the rushing out. I mean, we're, there are things oh, yeah. we're going to try to do early. Like, if, if, if we both get them and we have a chance to read it and we have a chance to go over it, um, you know, and we're both excited about it. But it's like, I don't, you know, I know there's a lot of shows out there that are covering these books. And if, if I take... And we, and you and I take longer to get it out. It's like oh, they've already heard that. Like yeah, but not from us, you know. And it's like they're not going to tune it out. Oh, I've already heard that coverage. You know, it's like there's just there's just no need to rush and be.
1: I'm first. My reviews first. Yeah, and so. there's a lot to cover in yeah. with the new Angelos stuff that's come out. All the new prayers and artifacts and every, there's so much. And since both of us play this army, I think you and I both want to do this review right and yeah. get it, like, as buttery smooth as we can.
0: Yeah. So. Now, I did
1: pick up some of the other stuff that
0: came out, though. Ooh. Yes, I have a box of Griffhounds because I've been complaining I wanted them forever, and now that they've made them, I've grabbed some. You know, and half a dozen Griffhounds is not bad. No, not at all. Um, I did pick up a box of Vanguard Hunters. Mm-hmm. And these guys are really cool. Although the Bolt Storm pistol, uh, Luke kept pointing it out and saying, "If you take off the, if you take off the, okay, All right. arrow part, He's, it looks he... like a bolt pistol." And I said, "Well, but you know, it does, So does the, so does the, the 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 Dark Elf repeater bolt pistol thing." So
1: the thing is, it's like the Judicators when they came out, they either come with the Skybolt bow or the Bolt Storm crossbow? This is not a new concept, people. <laughs> no, it isn't.
0: But it was funny. Everyone was pointing it out. It looks like,
1: look, it's even got the little, it looks like just like a bolter. I'm like, kind
0: of, yeah, but it's got the thing. I'm like, it's still, it's not that different, and I don't,
1: I I just like it. Yeah, they're sleek-looking kits. We're yeah. really looking forward to picking some up.
0: Yep, the Astral Compass is kind of cool. Storm Saber and the Shock Hand Axe. That's one I me mean, Harrison, I Harrison Harrison's like, what's the difference really? And we're both sitting there. It's like it's either threes to hit, four to wound, or fours to hit, threes to wound. Otherwise they're pretty much the exact same weapon. So it's like pick your poison. Do you want a better chance to hit or a better chance to wound? But I actually think that depending on your build and, and what your buffs are, if you're buffing, you know, certain things over others, you may that may you know, that could influence your choice. Mm-hmm. But I would still have time to now I, I did pick up one more thing and I didn't get to, like I said, get the book, so I didn't have all the cool, uh, I didn't get to flip to the back and look at all the other stuff, but I picked up the War Scroll cards.
1: Yeah, the new stuff. That Do you
0: like that? I do like them. Um, the, you got all the, the little push, you know, they came with a bunch of little tokens that you can throw down. Um, the cards are pretty big. They're like four by six, I think. Hmm. I mean, they're like a hand's width tall, and yeah, they're like four by six, uh, and it's basically just all the stats that you have from your uh, from your book. Yeah. So now I've been always printing up. I just printed up, you know, I just made copies of all the informational pages, and then I have those set aside. So if I am going to a tournament or something, I can print up that, and I have it with my army list, so I can look right through it. But these cards are actually really kind of nice, just to if you have them, you want to lay them out. So you, mm-hmm. you have them all right there in front of you. So you don't have to keep going back to your book. You just have your cards in front of you. Um, I know it's not that much different than flipping through them on your iPad or your phone. But I just I hate having to click onto my iPad and flip through and flip, 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 look for stuff. I'd rather have a physical copy in front of me.
1: Yeah. And I do like how they're kind of catering to how everybody learns and organizes and plays differently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you've got... An option regardless of how you play or organize or anything like that. So that's a good sign in my book.
0: Yeah. And there's all this. Other, okay, dude, there's a lot of stuff that's not out yet. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I didn't get to read the book, but I got all these cards. I'm like, okay, Ether Wings, Vanguard Palladors, Vanguard Raptors, Vanguard. Well, the Vanguard Hunters I got. The Lord Aqualore is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is. Oh, this is so... I'm I'm so excited. And yeah. then I'm looking and somebody already tweeted the picture of the thing. They're like, there's four more chambers that haven't been opened. I'm like, at this rate, they could open a chamber a year and we could be doing this with new stuff for them till 2021. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one last bit of info updates and then we'll get to our book opening. Saturday, March 11th at Unique Gifts and Games. Um... NW-2 is going to be there, uh, basically hosting an open play day. We're not doing necessarily a tournament right now. Uh, March 11th, just come on uh, if you want to come and play, and you've got your armies, you want to come, we're going to have some tables out and some terrain up, and we're just going to be doing some open play. Uh, We also have some people there giving demos, so if you're new and you'd like to learn, there will be demos going on. Um, I'll be there most of the day. I'm going to have a 1,000-point army. I may have a 2,000-point army. Um, Who knows? Um, You know, we may play some scenarios out, play a few things. Um, Yeah, Alex, if you got any any scenarios you want me to test out or try out, I can... Throw that. You mean table, like
1: Adepticon please. sneak peeks?
0: Um, yeah, it could be a sneak peek, <laughs> or it could be something you're thinking of for a later tournament. But yeah, absolutely, I will, I will have you know I'll be there pretty much all day, March 11th. Um, from I mean, they're open from I think 11 to 9. Um, we'll probably all get there and be set up and running by noon, and then all I'll right. be there till they close. Uh, so it's March 11th, folks. Mark your calendars. NW2 is back, and we are hosting a. Uh, just a day of open open AOS gaming. So come on in, and, and like I said, you can learn stuff, or if you have experience, you just want to come in and get a few games in and hang out with us, um, we're going to be there doing that. And it's going to be a good day. It's going to be fun. So that's it for the news. Let's get on to this book now because oh, we got to do this. This is so good. Flesh Eater Quartz. Okay. Yes. So what uh, – First impressions. Uh, it's actually second impressions, isn't it? I haven't read this book in over six months, and then so we decided to, to do it, and we pick it up, and I start rereading it. Mm-hmm. Um, still, the artwork is still top-notch on this.
1: It is, and it's the variety of the artwork, too. Like, some of it's that high comic stuff that we've been seeing. Some of it's some of the more high fantasy elements. But this cover, like, the it's the Crypt Gas Courtier on the cover of this. Uh-huh. It doesn't even have to be like, you know, this abhorrent ghoul king on a terror geist. It's just, okay, you look at the book and it's like, okay, there's this creepy dude on the front. And then you read the book and we're going to go through this properly. It The book cover does not equal what you're reading. No. And it's a very deceptive book because you just expect it to be about a bunch of guys that just rip your throat open and eat you, because that's what they do. It's... Well, they do ...completely different. They do that, too, but it's not like you just read it, and it's about a bunch of cannibals. This is something different, and it reminded me a lot of the Zinch book when we went through that, reading it, where it's more than what you're expecting, and it almost becomes like a mentality thing.
0: Yeah. This is... It's an odd book. This... This is the first book that I remember people kind of freaking out about that wasn't because it had new stuff in it. Like, every podcast was covering the story on this because this is the first one that I read and said, okay, wow, this is really cool. They took something that I thought I was familiar with, and they, and they, and they ran with it, and they built up something much greater than it was. Mm-hmm. I think this is also the first time we saw them taking old dual kits and combining the model, the parts, and making new third and fourth model kits out of them, basically.
1: Yeah, just repurposing something and doing something just as simple as an arm swap, and you now have a new unit. Because who would have thought that would be a thing?
0: Yeah. Well, in fact, the the Crypt Haunter Courtier uh, is basically the Crypt Horror with the Vargai's face. Yep. So if you've got a Crypt Horror with a Vargeist face, then that's the courtier. Then you make Crypt Flayers, which are Crypt Horrors with the Vargeist wings.
1: And if you have a Vargeist unit champion, so the Vargoyle, and you put a Crypt Horror head on him, it's suddenly a Crypt Flayer courtier.
0: Yep. Or, yeah, the Crypt Infernal courtier. Oh, the crypt, yeah. crypt Infernal. Yeah, that's the one that didn't that didn't follow the pattern and just keep the name. They had to take a different one and confuse the heck out of me when I was reading this at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, here, we're just going to change up these few things, and that's what you get. Oh, um,
1: okay. I mean, it works. And it feels completely different than just a Strigoi ghoul army, which is what this thing was in its inception with you know previous editions of Warhammer. Now this is its own identity, which is really awesome. And and
0: once again, it it made models that we weren't playing with that much, like suddenly more useful. The oh, the terrorgeist yeah. and the zombie dragon suddenly start coming. You start seeing these things popping out and popping up more, and it's like, oh yeah. As mm-hmm. a, as a mount and everything, I just like I said, I, first impressions. I just I liked everything. Yeah, about this book, I really did.
1: Yeah, there was a couple confusing bits for it, but we'll get to that. Because it didn't make sense immediately when I read it, but as you keep reading it, it makes a lot more sense. Well, well,
0: like, I never quite got the concept of ghouls. Even back in 7th edition when I was first playing and playing with and against vampire accounts, I'm like, so wait a minute. They're not undead. They're people who've gone crazy and want to be a part of this. And so they just start. They just like go along and follow along, and they become not so much flesh and blood eater zombie things as cannibals. Mm -hmm. And they become more and more sort of crazy as they go along and do this. And they just, it's like they get the undead rules and stuff like that. I was reading. I am like, wow, this is a little confusing. Like, and so, but they really, this book ran with that in a in a really well done way. And it's it's kind
1: of a weird, gross, odd book it really is yeah it's a very i'm i'm liking the direction that they're heading with all these books don't get me wrong but this one definitely spins it a lot more yes and it's one of those things and we've seen a lot of the conversions with how these guys are it's taking something that should be one thing and turning it into something else just depending on your point of view
0: yeah, yeah, um, and I think that that led to part of the resurgence because it is really only a small part of the vampire count army. Was yeah, yeah, um, and the story is so cool. It kind of mm-hmm. I think inspires people to want to play it. I mean, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good, it's a good book. It's got some cool stuff to it, um, but it's it's this it's how bizarre. This story gets, mm-hmm. uh, and how and how deftly they tell it because it's a, it's a fine line when you're reading this. Like you said, there's parts where I stopped and said, "Wait, who, wait what's going on? Mm-hmm.
1: Who is this?"
0: Yeah, because of those weird delusions that these characters suffer. I'm trying to figure out what part is delusion and what part isn't. And the first read, and now coming back to it, like I haven't picked this book up in over six months. I really haven't. And coming back to it to do this, and now looking at it with a fresh set of eyes, I'm like, this is just really. This is was kind of crazy, and and it was kind of uh, it was it was a big step I think back when they put it out, re-releasing older stuff with new not just new rules but new fluff, everything updated, and then mixing up a few other kits like that and saying okay this is what we're going to do this is what we're going to call this and this is how we're going to run with this, and it just worked and I was really it just it works on every level and picking it up now like I said six months later it still works that's the one thing yeah. that I really liked about it,
1: yeah because I was expecting like the uh... Clan Pestilence book um, where it's just kind of a rehash and not really doing anything with it they did something with these guys and it's absolutely it's
0: it's weird but I love it I do too so the, you know we pick this up and I remember just picking it up and thinking oh, I, okay. It's, it's a, you, of course you flip to the back and you kind of look at the units and you're like okay it's a lot of ghouls it's ghoul king and ghoul army which you know th- this was a concept back before they split everything up you know what i'm saying mhm uh and it worked but now you're opening it up and you get this you get this sort of this new take on the history how does this fit into the the uh the eight realms and what you find out is um wherever there in every realm there are flesh eater courts They're literally in every realm. These guys, wherever there were vampire counts, you've got humans who basically survive from these horribly war-torn areas, um, and those last few starving, desperate ones uh, seem to fall to cannibalism. That seems to happen a lot. In the eight realms. Humans falling to cannibalism when they're desperate for food. They're just eating what's left and there's nothing left so they eat people who die and then eventually they don't wait for them to die. Um, And you've got these weird cannibal cults and horrific groups. um, But they're basically just crazy cannibal cults. um, And it's their desperation that sort of calls to these abhorrent ghoul kings. And... uh, When they show up, they basically uh, come in and and sort of, you know, draw them to them. Um, They don't actually become the ghouls like you see in the pictures until they eat at an abhorrent king's feast, which is basically drinking his blood. His blood binds them to them, and the, the deformities in his nature get transferred to them. They become one of him. Um mm-hmm,
3: that's yeah,
0: it's like okay, so there's cannibalism running around, and that attracts these these kings, and I'm just reading this wait, what, so now what's an so then what's an abhorrent ghoul king um, and they're the ones that you know they used to, the the really bestial, not human, you know pretty euro trash looking vampires, <laughs> um, they don't sparkle, no um, yeah, but apparently they've all gone crazy. They've all gone yeah, crazy. Yeah, these
1: particular vampires, not all vampires, went this route.
0: No, but these 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 ghoul kings have. Um, they're delusional. They consider themselves mortal monarchs. I don't. I'm not 100 percent certain if they don't, if they fit, if they actually don't see the cannibalism, or they don't understand that it's cannibalism because it's very similar to what they eat, or if they just don't, if it's not registering anymore because of these weird delusions.
1: It doesn't register for them. Um to branch out in Lord of Undeath, which is book ten of Realmgate Wars. Right. Um Nagash and the Annals of the Hellden actually attend a feast at a abhorrent Ghoul King's court. And the ghouls don't see the piles of rotting meat and everything like that. They see this bountiful feast of obviously like wild boar and all these other wonderful things and there's of Vargulf acting as a major domo, stamping his foot, like calling attendance to the new people arriving. It's just, that's how lost they are. And at one point, the they're like Ghoul King- children playing at,
0: at you know, at knights and, and kings and things like that. I mean, not I'm not saying they're innocent,
1: but just like they're in this yeah, fantasy almost. land, you know? Yeah. And Nagash even asks, because like the. Ghoul King offers up food to the Lord of uh, the Anvils and says, will you not dine with us? And he says, no, no, we are noble knights on a quest. We will not partake of food until our quest is complete. And Nagash looks at the Celestin and says, you leave them to their delusions when you could just have easily said you're a monster. And uh, the Lord Celestin is saying, well, that's too cruel to snap them from their paranoia. This is... This is just who they think they are. They don't think they're cannibals. They think that everything is nobility, like that high, noble, medieval-type style. That's what they see, and that's what they think they are. And even reading, like, page six, um, there's that little fluff box about Lord Peregrine on the bottom. He's fighting himself because he sees a monster that he's fighting, even though he's fighting a human, and he's the monster.
0: Yeah, that's these these stories keep doing that, and they're really fascinating. But you have to sort of read them slowly because it's always at the end where you get that crack in the delusion. You know, he's he wakes up and he's hurt, and he's or he's atta- this one he's attacking people, um, and he's he's looking for this this monster. Um, that he can't seem to catch, but he's killing all these people on the way to get to that horrible monster, the horrible monster. And he kept glimpses, glimpses of it reflected in the eyes of his victims. And you're like, oh, so it's him. He has no idea that, that he's this that's, monster.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's how lost they are.
0: Yeah. Well, here, there's a great there's a passage here that I wanted to read real quick on page six anyway. It talks about how this works. This whole this madness that goes on. Uh, it says that they're so lost in their madness they believe themselves to be mortal monarchs. That's the abhorrent ghoul kings. When they come to a place infested with cannibals, which apparently happens a lot, <laughs> uh, yeah. that's the only thing that stopped me. It's like wow, like do we? Does that is that what people do? Like do we just quickly fall to cannibalism? Like whenever there's a food, tr- I mean, I suppose you got to eat what you got to eat. But this isn't like terminus all over the place. That's what it, I'm like. What is this? Um, they see not monsters, but starving peasants and soldiers, eager for the hand of a beneficent master. Each abhorrent king brings with him more than just dark rulership. They also spread their contagious madness. Weak minds are quickly turned, but even the strong-willed soon see the king as he sees himself. Before long, those that once in shame from the light stand tall, armored in delusion. In a mockery of civilization, the king brings them into his court dubbing the pale horrors that bow and scrape before him his mordants. Now I kind of like this because now I remember playing back when they first came out with these models and the ghoul king like had almost no magic to him. No. Like he was big and tough but very little magic. The other guys had much more magic less powerful. Uh as you're reading the fluff he's got good powerful magics they talk about. But I was thinking about that. I'm like, why would his madness? Like, What is causing his madness to spread to everybody? And then I'm like, wait a minute, vampire. You know, it's like mind control, the ability to create illusions. And this guy is so sick in the head that he's not even controlling that awesome power to mind control and create delusions. It is working within himself and just spreading and hitting everyone around him which is why when you get some of these bigger courts and, and large numbers, it almost reminded me when I was reading this of that old 6th and 7th edition, the the power of, of the wall with the orcs, where they had their own magic and their own stuff. And it says how, you know, the more of them are around, the more it builds and the more they can feel it and the more it works. And it seems to have that same thing here. The more people he's got as a part of this delusion, uh, the stronger it becomes. It's just a bizarre, it, it's, it's a bizarre idea for how to run your army cuz they are they're like they're they're ghouls and i mean they're they're cursed once they drink his blood and they're kind of undead but they i mean they're not like the undead that all the other undead they're not like the skeletons there's not you're not raising these guys out of the ground no these are guys going running around and finding these horribly horribly demented starved tortured people and protecting them because he's a king and he finds all these weak people Uh, and this is a motif that pops up throughout the book as that they find these places these old abandoned castles and they set up shop there and Mm -hmm. when you know it's like oh my goodness so then you got the forces of good or the forces of chaos or the force of whoever. Um, You know, come and think, oh, there's a ghoul infestation. They're eating all the neighboring villages. We have to go in and stop them. Um, And these guys see themselves as, you know, the last... They literally see themselves as the last bastion of good, kind, proper society. And everything around them that's attacking them is some sort of monster that hates them and wants to kill them. And they have to defend their realm, their world, from this... Just this degraded uh, thing that's just coming at them from every angle.
1: It's 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 crazy. It's it is. It's literally madness. Yeah, but it's a weird concept to think that you're a monster that is good, but no one else sees you that way. Right. So I don't know. It's
0: it's not just that. It's. You, you see yourself as doing this wonderful thing and keeping all this going. Um, and that everything that attacks you is some sort of monster hell-bent on... I mean, the Ghoul King really does sort of see all these things as his as his people to protect. Mm-hmm. Like he's living out there and they're doing their thing and it's like, oh no, things are coming to stop us. I have to save my people. Um, yeah. So it's this weird noble cause delusion that makes it... Really interesting. Uh and, and strange.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's a tie in to um uh, like when it talks about the Carrion King and the first abhorrent ghoul king.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get to that too, yeah, because as you get a bit of a history here, which may yeah. or may not even be accurate, but
1: go ahead, see what you were saying. So they talk about um who the first ghoul king was, and this is the Carrion King who goes by a bunch of different names Uh, Summer King, the Blood Rose Prince, and Ushoran the Handsome. Now, a lot of people that are new to this game won't know who he is. Um, In the old world, he was one of the nobles of Lamia. He's actually one of Neferata's siblings, I believe, or a cousin or other noble who... Was kind of the the prince of masks is what he was. He was in charge of celebrations. He was in charge of throwing these fanciful courts and dinners and celebrations. And inside, he's actually like this evil twisted monster. So he's a monster on the inside and this beneficent noble on the outside. And he falls to vampirism and sets up what was all these cannibal courts and everything like that and starts that chain. But now it's reversed. The monster's on the outside and the hero is on the inside. Yep. So it's a really weird thing to think that, you know, a character that has been, quote, dead for so long now reimagined as the monster on the outside, man on the inside. It's, it's a complete flip from what I walked into this thinking. And I didn't think that they would tie him in here, but they did and that adds a little extra for me and anyone that kind of knew the story walking in. So it's a nice little nugget right there, and I think that explains a lot more than maybe what they were intending. Well, and, so. it,
0: and, and then the side box on page uh, nine adds to that, too, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, so the origins of the abhorrent ghoul kings in this entire flesh-eater court, uh, this origin story says that he that this the first of the ghoul kings was a servant of Nagash, uh, you know, t- typical vampire. The leader of uh of the, the uh, you know these like you said named all these people. Um, we don't know what his descent into madness like. There's no records left to explain how he kind of went crazy, but you know, it says some believe. Um, It's believed by many that the king fell out of favor with Nagash and was cursed with a hideous transformation. So you get this person who's upset, uh, you know, and Nagash is their god. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. But whatever he did upset Nagash who then mutated him and... uh, so he gets mad, and he wants revenge. He, you know, he was punished for you know, what he didn't feel was a good reason. Uh, he's upset. He's upset that uh, he would have this. So he goes out and just. He looks like a monster. So he goes out and is a monster. He goes out terrorizing the countryside, causing havoc, and basically creating headaches for, for Nagash, who then goes and has him captured and put locked up in a tower. Uh, excuse me. And this tower has the what's it called. Uh, the shroud cage, where he is sit to face all of the lies he's ever told, or something like that, or all the lies he's ever told are turned back upon him, and so this drives him completely insane. He was already just you know, raged and and angry and bitter, but now he that 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 cracks him and he goes mad. Um, and but he's still locked up in this tower until, um. This is after then Nagash betrays Sigmar Sigmar shows up, starts rampaging through the land Killing everything in his path Trying to get to Nagash Smashes down the towers in the castle Where he he was being kept And uh, when that collapsed He was freed from his cage And ran off to cause more havoc As the Carrion King Um, And that's sort of the history They also talk about how he, he can create Mordent's from the cannibals, and, and that's what we talked about. When they drink him, his blood, they turn from just being cannibals to becoming crypt horrors and, and, and ghouls and all these different possible things. Uh, and some become kings and go off and form their own courts. Like, if you basically live long enough and drink enough blood and and uh, get rewards and, and prove yourself worthy, the, the, the abhorrent ghoul king may reward you with more blood, more prizes, more bonuses, and you could literally uh, eventually rise up to status yourself and move off and start your own court. Um but this this box, I want before we go to the next thing, I want to bring this up. Um there's a vampire telling a story about the Blood Rose Pin Prince, which as you put out was was sure in the handsome as well. Uh and it says everybody thinks that it was Nagash, but the truth is he says here it was Neferada uh was the one who did this to him he was one of the first vampires a prince of the night uh and this with his monstrous now he, apparently he was super strong he was mm-hmm. one of the strongest among them and he got really proud and uh, some will tell you he thought to challenge nagash for dominance others that he took to feeding on our kind but these are reports of the desperately misinformed <laughs> in truth it was queen Neferada um uh, that As the Mortark of blood reveals to her champions, he betrayed her. His terrible vanity was such that he thought he could spurn her with impunity. So it was she cursed him with his horrific visage and his hunger for flesh. A timely lesson for any among you that would cross our great queen. So either Neferata's lying and taking credit to keep her own people in line, or since she does literally have a connection to this guy, Mm-hmm. then the whole story that they live by, that he was cursed by Nagash, could be false. and it. Could, so we don't even know the true story based on what we've got here. There are two possible, completely acceptable explanations for the origins of the Carrion King. Um, Which I just love the fact that there's two explanations and they both work. Because seeing how this entire book... <laughs> is basically a, a tale of two separate stories. You know, what is and what is perceived. Mm-hmm. Then to have these two separate origin stories basically on the same page. Yeah, yeah, that's all yeah. well and good, but you know what? That may not be the way it happened. It might be this here. And you got to yeah. choose who to believe, either the people who follow Nagash or people who follow Neferata.
1: Yeah, it almost reminded me kind of like the Joker, which I know some people are going to be like, okay, where is he going with this? But one of his quotes is that everyone has an origin story, you might as well make it multiple choice.
3: So,
1: I don't know. I I know that was kind of a weird tangent, but it makes sense, especially for what you're basing this off, which is an army of paranoid, delusional cannibals. So, it kind of works.
0: I mean, heck, you can even go to Dark Knight, where he keeps telling his origin story, and it's always different.
1: Yeah, and it'll be the same for these guys, too. So,
0: yeah, so it's it's crazy, but I do I do I do enjoy um, this whole concept. It's 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 really odd. Um, And then we get to uh, a bit of an explanation about um, how the sort of the breakdown of how the hierarchy in this place works. And they explain it here in detail, and then later on they come right back to it again with a little chart. So I'm going to go over it really quickly um, because we'll go into some detail later. But basically, you got your your abhorrent ghoul king, and then he creates the sycophants. And the sycophants are actually other vampires that he's created. That's his brood. They're not just mm-hmm. the ghouls and stuff. These are the guys who have gone up to becoming their own vampires. Uh, some eventually, um, most of them are there to serve him, but eventually if they get old enough and powerful enough... They will then go off on their own quest to claim a new land and start a new court. Um, Then under the sycophants are the mordants. And all the mordants are basically any of these things that were human cannibal tribes that became uh, captured. Uh, And you've basically got three... Three or four of the basic, you know, of the top ones. The Vargolf's apparently, and it's funny because the Vargolf was the one in the old book that was just like a nice addition, but wasn't. You know, it was just like it was always off on the side. And the, the Vargolf is like, you know, a big player. He's one of the most respected mm-hmm. of all of them, which I thought was interesting. Uh, he leads leads all the Royal Mordens.
1: Everybody, everybody defers to the Vargolf. Yeah, which is something. When he came out, we just thought he was going to be a big amped up Strigoi. And now he's suddenly a major player, so it kind of like fulfills the role that I think he might have been meant to play. Even yeah, from the beginning.
0: Yeah, no, it's really nice. And I like that they did that because that, he looks—he looks so bestial as compared to the other ones that still have a more human form. That it would have been very easy to turn him into the lowest one. You mm-hmm. know, the ones who have lost all sight of their sort of humanity and devolved into beast in the beast mode. And nope. This is the highest level. Uh, you got Crypt Flayers courtiers and Crypt Hunter courtiers. They're like the field commanders. And then you get down to the Crypt Gast courtiers who are like the uh, the marshals of the certain troops on the field. Um, but they're definitely there's a hierarchy. There is a hierarchy mm-hmm. that goes on. Um, and they all follow it. And they're very proud of their positions and follow it, which it's just
1: you know, you're reading this, and it reads like the Bretonian book. It does, it does, and we've seen a lot of convert. Like I've seen a lot of conversions where people have been mixing Bretonian bits and bits with these guys, and it's it works. It really it works. Makes me wonder it how really much shouldn't. of that
0: Bretonians, because remember, if in the old, in the old, uh, in the end times, you know, Bretonio was pretty much wiped out, and most of what wiped it out was the dead. Was the undead. So hmm. I mean that's what I kept thinking as I'm reading this I'm like, God Nagash came through with all of this stuff and he wiped out Brittonia. It was the undead that wiped out bretonia and now you've got this sort of these weird leaders from that point and these and these cannibal people who are out starving as peasants. And I'm wondering if some of that didn't work its way into there. Like if you didn't have some of these these you know it would it would explain where they went that a whole race didn't make it over because let's face it in the end times, they were pretty much all wiped out except for like one or two of the leaders. They wiped out all of Bretonia,
1: Yeah. And even at the end, they're fighting alongside vampires. Um, yeah. when the last guys went in, it was the red Duke standing there with, you know, the last remnants of Britonia to try to save it. it so, would be
0: really interesting to see if there's some tie comes up that way. Um, And it does, like you said, it does offer a lot of modeling opportunities.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so before we go and take a break, I did want to talk about one more section, and that's on about page 12, the endless feeding grounds they talk about. And this Mm -hmm. really explains that whole thing is how how these, um, these courts are formed. Mm-hmm. And it basically says that there every, any, anywhere that you've got any of the eight realms where that are war torn and destroyed, whether it's war between between different peoples, it doesn't have to be the undead marching through and tearing up your lands. Um, it could be chaos. It could be anything. Um, you know, when we first started reading Age of Sigmar, when the in the beginning of the Realm Gate Wars, I mean, it was just humanity fleeing from chaos. There was no mention of worrying about the undead. But wherever all this destruction happens and the people are just scraping by um, and they're suffering and they're starving and then there's that slow descent into cannibalism and madness. And this just calls to the abhorrent kings. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like a siren's call to them that that madness that they project can also apparently pick up on the suffering and madness of others.
1: Yeah, it's. You think about it that these are – most of the people that are going to be in these courts are going to be the people that survived the Age of Chaos. These are broken, disregarded people and finally finding something that almost feels safe being with this ghoul king in Cult of Madness. And well, and, and don't get it wrong, though. I mean they come in like an army. They come in with their, mm-hmm. with their
0: banners made of flesh and they come with all this stuff – and they come in March, prepared for war. And if you surrender, they'll bring you in. If you fight, you're still going to die. There's no, there's no, you know, th- taking the defeated and, and turning them into this. It's like you, you either submit. Um, but I guess if you're already at that at that p at that point when he when the king himself shows up, most of these people's minds break, and that's where they that's it for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so crazy. In fact, what I found really interesting was in the little side box here, uh, they talk about you know all these places that they go through, um, and then it gets to the part, um, the brave or foolish might come to these environs seeking ghoulkin for their armies. Necromancers, unliving warlords, and even brutal chaos lords arrive with choice offering of Medusa eyes gargant livers, or trogoth bile for the abhorrence tables, hoping that their princely gifts will be enough to coax the flesh eaters to fight for them. So there are non-undead things coming that will still try to hire these guys with promises of, of destruction and stuff by bringing them gross food, which is, you know, the super treasures for their tables. I just think it's nuts to see a castler just show up and be like, listen, I could use you guys for my army. You know, why not use him as cannon fodder for all he cares, right? He's just hiring, he's just hiring Rabble. But uh, just the fact that they are hireable, I
1: mm-hmm. thought was an it's,
0: interesting thing.
1: It reminded me of the Fire Slayers, where they'll work for anybody for Urgold. And this is all uh, we'll will work for anybody, but I want the icky stuff. It
3: seems right. weird to
1: us, but to them, it's treasured gold right well and it doesn't come out that say they'll work for everybody because
0: it says you got to be kind of crazy to come in and try this I'm guessing at least 50% of the time you show up they'll eat your treasure and then eat you just because they're crazy and they yeah. see everybody as an enemy mm-hmm. and I get there's I bet you there's got to be crazy abhorrent ghoul kings out there who are just like no, the enemy of my enemy is not my friend I'll kill you now and then deal with them later I could see that going on mm. you know what I'm saying Absolutely. Um but there's just when I got to that for I am like, I don't remember it saying that they were for hire. Like that was that that surprised me. Uh, but I liked it. I thought that was a, a great little bit that they added in there that made for some interesting um you know, it has interesting story opportunities later. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really, really liked. So, um Oh, you know what? Let's just finish this off. We've only got one page left yeah uh, before the break. um and then the the last part in this opening section talks about their God, and of course, who's their God? Nagesh oh, of course it is. um it, it's It's kind of weird uh, once again, talk about the duality that runs through this book, the beautiful theme of this two sides of the same coin, the madness and and sanity, the the delusion and the reality. Um, they don't all even see him the same way.
1: No. And it even... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. All right. So it even says to some of them, he appears as a beneficent god wrapped in flowing golden robes or wearing a golden crown as he smiles down from the sky. (laughs) That's not Nagash. I mean, if you look at this guy, he is this massive floating figure wreathed in perpetual black energy surrounded by spirits and is probably the single most selfish, and me-first-oriented character, period. But they see him as the beneficent, all-smiling, happy-days god. He is the Fonzie. He just walks up and goes, a, and everything's fine. Exactly. But to others, he is this great devourer who destroys everything, and they're trying to get away from him and just completely have nothing to do with him.
0: And some of them literally believe that he is chasing them, like he is hunting them down. So there are certain nomadic tribes. There are nomadic Mm -hmm. courts who never stay in one place too long because he will show up and come get them. Yeah. And you've got two very different views of him. He's either the monster god who spawned them all and is now going to, to undo his mistake, or the beautiful monster god, who has created them and is now out there and 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 there to be worshiped and followed and some of them do some go and find him and bow before him and join him um some of the best parts of this book that I was reading about he 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 can't control them they're not no. undead technically um and they're not like zombies or skeletons that he could just raise and take over their minds. They have their own minds. So they show up and they, and they, and they prostrate themselves before him and they, and they join and he brings them in. But they irritate him because when, he needs to, when it gets to the point where he's like, I need to take control of this personally. The fight's not going my way. Let me take control of this and have it run my way. They're unpredictable. And if they do something he doesn't like,
1: he can't stop them. So they annoy him. Mm-hmm. And then to tie that to game terms, when they came out with this book, you can't summon anything in this book, like a traditional undead raise. Yep. They took that out. This helps explain that change to where they may or may not answer to a particular guy saying, hey, come here. This is something completely different and distinguishes them from the other, quote, undead.
0: Yep. Yep. But I just I loved this whole image of him and how and he does want to control them all. He wants to control everything, but he sees <laughs> value in them. If they, and it's just but even his even his lieutenants and stuff. Like when the ghoul the 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 ghoul kings show up with their armies to help, and the guy's like, "Here's uh, the ghoul king army there to help us out on the left flank," and all of his generals are like, oh. "Really, really." These guys are terrible. Like they just—they don't want them. They're not. They—they are a wild card. And if anything, Nagash is against random wild
1: card stuff. Uh, Yeah, he is all about complete one hundred percent total order, which is kind of a weird thing. But that's what death is. Yeah, it's everything is the same. Everything is under my control. That's how he wants it. He can't control these things. It drives him crazy. Yeah, it's it's
0: it was it was a great bit of the story um, that they just that. Sorry, he, uh, you know he's uh, he's got control over some of them. The other ones are just running away, and just causing nothing but trouble for him. Um, and it's just fantastic. It really is. It's a great fun. Uh, and you know what? This is the end of this section. So the next section is Cannibal Courts. Oh, and this shows how the the break the makeup of the Flesh Eater Courts, and then goes through the. The, uh, what the unit types and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll come back with that then. We'll come back and then we'll do that next. All right. Yeah. Sounds great. Sounds good. We'll be back.
1: And we are back, descending into Kingdoms of Madness and the Flesh Eater Courts. Yes. Um,
0: more duality. Just, the, You know, the English teacher in me is very proud of whoever wrote this book. <laughs> yeah. You know, because they don't miss a trick. Like, like we were just saying before the break, the stuff with Nagash, having half of them think he's a beneficent you know, smiling God, and the other half are like, he wants to eat us. <laughs> he doesn't like us, and he's mean, and you need to run. Like, they can't agree on anything. They, they can't perceive reality the way it is. Uh, there's always this, this split between what is and isn't real. Each of these little stories in the boxes, the zoom-ins, they're over and over again, these stories. that I honestly think I'm reading a Bretonian book. Mm-hmm. It's the noble knights riding out and defending, and it's only at that very last bit where you realize what you're reading just doesn't really work that way. Like, oh wait, that, no. that's not right. That oh, okay, I see what's going on with this story. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually had uh, what two ghouls from different camps from like two different ghoul kings. They were all there was yep. like a three way war going on or something like that, and they were fighting over the entrails of a downed soldier. It was an ogre. An
1: ogre, that's right. An ogre, that's right. And And they see the two kings flying above, talking and chittering and all that stuff, and one of them looks at each other and says, I believe we can split the spoils of this war very nicely. I agree.
2: (laughs) I agree, (laughs) old
1: chap. No need to be savages.
0: Let's share. And it's like... Wait, what? And you know they're just like <laughs> they're just like chortling and gurgling. And the one of uh, the best part is the one smiles at the other guy after he says I agree. And as he smiles, you can see big chunks of flesh in between his teeth.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, these
0: oh oh boy, this, this is a, this is a very gross book, by the way. I can I just say that like
1: just the, the it's a gross book, but the way the wordplay on everything is it's actually not that gross until you start to process the image. And it's like, oh no, that's disgusting.
0: Yeah. I mean, even their treasure troves where it talks, there's a, there's a thing in here. I forget where it was. Talks about how, you know, there have been many little, you know, half dilapidated old castles that ghoul kings have taken over and held their court. And people have attacked it thinking that they were going to find treasure locked away in these vaults and they open it up and it's just bones and intestines
1: and offal Pits, yeah. but that's their treasure. But that's
0: that, their yeah. food stores. Yeah. I just... Oh, it's like little... Ki- oh. Okay, and it's, it's, it's not the best example, but it's like you know, little kids trying to play at court, and but then you've got a couple of kids who, hey, you pretend you're making the Great Feast, and the kids sit there with Play-Doh and they make stuff, and you just sort of pretend it looks like a steak when it looks like a lump. And it's just like that, except these guys, they're, 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 they're particular medium... Is is human body parts? Like that's mm-hmm. what they're faking up big feast with, and just squeezing parts together, and then using bones as and stuff. It's just like, oh, this is so so nasty. Like the fact that in that that, like you said in that uh, in that book, uh, the the Black Library book, the fact that they're yeah. able just to sit there and watch them just take all these dead body parts and and. Pile them up for feasts and they all Think they're sitting there and eating with their pinkies up And they're not they're just like slavering mm-hmm. You know blood and and Grossness flying everywhere Harrison's like that is so cool though it is It's really cool it made Me want to drop what I was doing and rebase All my undead this book really Made me want to do that far more Than anything else I had read thus Far um Oh, it's just so gross. So, okay, let's run through this stuff in the Kingdoms of Madness, though. They talk about, um, you know, who these peoples are and uh, and what goes on. Now, you got the cannibal, uh, you know, the, basically the breakdown, as we said before. You've got the, the ghoul king and his brood of actual vampires are the sycophants. Then you've got the attendants at court. Oh, now, okay, here's a great one. The spittles all the crypt horrors who do things like making sure that, you know, that the court is attended and things are going. There's a crypt haunter courtier who is in charge of that, just in charge of all the crypt horrors who are like always at the court making sure things are running right.
1: Mm -hmm. And his name is the Lord Chamberslaw or Slow or whatever. They all have these really horrible sounding names. The Marquis gruel Slop, the Lord Liverbelch, okay, okay, that that's gross.
0: Lord Marrow Broth,
1: or Baron Gizzard, or the Marquis Wretch Bile. All right, these things are great. <laughs> They're so <laughs> ghoulish and nasty, but you see the breakdown, and it looks just like a Bretonian royal family. And you see the Dead Watch, the Abattoir, the Royals, the Ghouls. And the ghoul patrol, and then the menagerie, which is the Terrorgeist and the zombie dragons of all things. So
0: yeah, you the see royal this menagerie
1: down, and then you flip the page, and it gets to the dark legacies, and it talks about like the actual people that inspired these sections, right? And breakdowns of the original carrion king's court. So the Baron Gizzard, um, is descended from. Ref, uh, Tales referred to him as the Baron of Blizzards because these are the scouts that patrol the kingdom. Right. And that's what the ghoul patrol is. Those are the guys that scout and patrol the kingdom. Ghoul just, patrol. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. And these are And the name just plays off of who this guy was into a much more disgusting, ghoulish mentality. It's brilliant. Yeah.
0: It is. It's really cool. And then they've all got very special. And you look at it, and it just looks like oh, there's a lot of overlap, but there's not, because the Crypt Flayer Courtier is in charge of the Crypt Flayers, and those are the ones who can kind of fly, and they've got that Dead Watch. They're a special thing. The Vargulf Courtier, the Marquis Gruulsop, he's got horrors, flayers, and ghouls under him, but they're like he because he basically he he's a general. He can he can lead the army when the Ghoul King isn't there. So he's got, mm-hmm. you know, he's got every type under his control. And then the abattoir, you've got Lord Liverbelch, and that's the other crypt haunter, the one who's not being the court guy in charge. And he's in charge of crypt horrors and, and ghouls. Um, and then, yeah, you've got the king's ghouls, the ghoul patrol, all that stuff falling in there. Um, but, yeah, it, it breaks down like a legit army breakdown from either empire or 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 bretonia more bretonia i think than empire because absolutely um, because it's there's it's it there's a lot of that i don't know it's just that sense of martial honor and pride that you sort of get with bretonia um with their very they're very focused on on certain things whereas Uh, With the Empire, you'd have all this extra, you know, the cannons and all the extra things like that and all the technical work. But this, it's just so much fun. I was reading this going, this is just great.
1: Yeah. And And there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that I got a lot of this, too. Like, it definitely reminded me in points about, like, Victoria and England with all the different families and everyone vying for favor with the court and everything. So it's... It kind of touches a lot of different things, but at the same time, it's one thing making no sense but making perfect sense at the same time.
0: <laughs> yes, well put. Uh, okay, so let's go through the some of this now. Um, most of these, I think, I want to go through these a little quickly and just point out the yeah. cool stuff because a lot of we know a lot about these guys. It's the interesting new stuff that they put in that makes it great. Now, the aboriginal Ghoul King, super tough vampires totally crazy and their madness is infectious and like I said I I believe and they don't actually say it but I think it's because of that they're they're being so magically powerful that it's those regular vampiric abilities of sort of mind control and things like that um, that they have seem to have lost control of in their delusions mm-hmm. and then so they're it it, it sort of goes off and, and just you know infects everyone around them too um uh, no, and here's an interesting thing. The blood deforms and enslaves those who drink it and become more mordants, and that's interesting. What I like, and this pops up later, is there are weird recipes for how to make these courtiers. Mm-hmm. Like if you do a good job and he wants to reward you, you don't just drink his blood and hopefully you may mutate into one of these things. he literally mixes it with flesh from different types of undead creatures and things like that, and you get basically you know he mixes you up a highball and uh, <laughs> and it's like you could know, depending on what how he mixes and what he mixes,'ll do different things to you and that's really cool. Like I was not expecting that at all. It's you know it's unlike other vampire stuff where you just might be gifted or luck out to get a specific trait. Here he's using like you know like mixing potions with mm-hmm. undead stuff to make you certain ways. Yeah, um, anything that stuck out from that
1: was was that for me. I was like, oh, that's neat. Yeah, it's the evolution through feeding. Yes, and doing something different so it encourages that same kind of aspect where you eat more you may eventually turn into one of these higher ranking officers which that's always something that's been a part of any civilized society where you want to move up the ranks and this is the opportunity but of course it has to be through eating something
0: <laughs> Yes, cause that's what they do um, then we go from the king to the courtiers Mm-hmm. And I did like this. On two pages they laid out all four of the, the, the character versions of of the of the different models. So it starts with the crypt ghast, which is basically okay, you got the ghouls and the leader of the ghouls is the ghast. Um and you can still have a ghast in your ghoul unit, like as a champion. But mm-hmm. if like they, a sergeant. Yeah. If they do well enough, they can become the courtiers. Uh, they lead the ghouls. They are um, they are beca- they are effective field commanders. Uh, what's interesting is that the units of ghouls that follow the crypt Ghast courtiers, uh, they tend to act like them. So if you have one who's very you know um, sneaky, you know they might kind of go come be moving in and out of the shadows. You have some that are a little more violent. Um, you know that they those are the guys who they run in and they 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 don't they kill them. You know they don't kill them quick; they kill them painful. Another um, one: if they were gluttonous, their mordens partake in staggering displays of gorging themselves. <laughs> um, but not only do they sort of take after his teachings as he leads them and become more like the courtier, but the ghoul king can literally pick. You know, depending on the battle he's going into, he would pick. It says he'll pick certain courtiers and their groups because that's what I need in this battle. I need viciousness. I need cleverness. I need, you know, something over the top. So I will pick the courtier that embodies that. And I know when I send him out, the troops that have been under him will do the
1: same thing. Mm hmm. It'll spawn very similarly. And at the same point, they're still just ghouls, but they're not. Just ghouls. So again, taking one thing and making it different,
0: and it's it's a great little touch because you you don't have a huge amount of options here for models. You've got the haunters and the flayers and the ghouls, and then you've and got then the, the characters and yeah and the characters whatnot. and stuff. But but you know s- similar similar to the fire slayers, which have three basically core units. Units here you have mm-hmm. a, a sh- you know, only a few units. But even those, if as far as if you're if you're playing a fluff game, you know, you can paint them up you know, add a little difference to the way you make them or paint them to fall into different categories, which may not have anything to do with the gameplay per se, but allows you to customize it in your creation process, which I liked.
1: hmm This is definitely a creative person's army. Oh yeah. Um So after the gas we get to the haunters, which are I see these guys as like noble paladins, the field commanders. They are the ones that do the most necessary missions and the bravest and the boldest of the tasks. And these That's... are basically
0: the crypt horror. The crypt horror, uh, the 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 sergeant or the you know the well we, the you know the command unit. You had a, uh, one could become uh, the horror could become a haunter, and the good haunters again become characters.
1: Yeah. Um, and these guys are the knights. Yeah. And that's what the haunter is, is again like a paladin.
0: Biggest, um, and- strongest, boldest. Um you know what I liked in this one? The the, the the top crypt haunter courtier, and he's the guy who falls into that that breakdown we were looking at before. He is the Lord Liver Belch, you know, will be the crypt haunter courtier. Um not only can he lead an abattoir in battle, which you notice that's the only Crypt Haunter that leads entire armies in battles. Um, they leave that mostly to the Crypt Flayers and the Vargulf, the Deadwatch and the Mordants. Um But one of them, the top one, will get the abattoir. Not only does he get to lead troops in combat, which is rare for the Haunter Courtier, um, he's also responsible for the feast afterwards. Mm-hmm.
1: That's great. Yes, and he gets to taste all of the lord's food before he eats it.
0: Yeah, make sure it wasn't poisoned. Yeah. Got to do that. But it, it it was just a weird little job. It's like after the fight's done, you got to make sure that all the stuff they're pulling together is and it makes Delicious. sense the players aren't going to do it. The gargoyle's no. not going to do it. It's the ghouls that are out in the field and the the you know and the and the then the horrors are just a, a a bigger version of them so make sure those guys are making sure everything's together and ready for food mhm this is great um now the crypt infernal courtiers the crypt flayers champion is called an infernal so these are the the character version of them um okay so here's how you make yourself a flayer now flayers are one of the new models they're the the horrors with wings, right? Mm-hmm. You feed them the flesh of an undead dragon mixed with the blood of your ghoul king. This, they eat the undead flesh, which doesn't want to die in and of itself, and it starts making changes and mutating them even farther. Um, And they become these, uh, these you know, these flayers become these guys that are out there protecting the king, and um, they will often fly around him when he's flying in on his terrorgeist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they feed him a mixture of ghoul king blood and undead dragon flesh, which will mutate them and grow their wings and make them powerful. It's like, oh, my, oh, seriously?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then they can do different things like a dragon. They can breathe that noxious gas oh, right, right. the loud scream the same way that a dragon or a terrorgeist would. So
0: yeah, that's they, right. They get a couple they have of special that extra
1: perks. little tie to the thing that they are taking on the power of, which is cool, thematic, and awesome. So I don't. There's no bad part to this, but these guys are like the noble knights, the bodyguard, and they do all sorts of. I don't know. I was really kind of iffy on these guys. Just the concept of them. But once you look at the bigger picture of it, makes a lot more sense. I see these guys like Pegasus Knights, to use the Bretonian equivalent. Yep, uh-huh. Um, and those guys are the best of the best. Or These could even be Grail Knights, I suppose, you could go with. Um, but I, I don't they know. They can fly. So. They can fly. They can fly very fast.
0: And the final one is the Fargo of Courtier. Uh They're the leaders, the highest rank of the Morda- Morg- uh, Mordants. They can lead the army of the ghoul king if he's otherwise occupied. Um, I just like the respect given to him. I always love this model. I always had a couple in my army. Um, yeah. And I love that they're getting that sort of respect that
1: they deserve to be be like a leader. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Oh, boy. And that picture is great of him just falling apart. Yeah. And he's supposed to be the head knight, the prime soldier. The major domo, the mottled
0: fur with all the patches of falling out of it and stuff. Oh, it's really good. That's a great mm-hmm. piece of artwork. Uh, and then when we get past the characters, then we're down to the uh, the, the basic troops, and these we we you know I, once again some some interesting little bits. Uh, ghouls are pretty much the same. We've talked about them this whole time. Uh, they are the foot soldiers of the. Army, they're the guys rushing out there. Um, you know, it you go. There's a cannibal horde of naked and hungry monsters. You either fight them or you get eaten. That's basically what it is. Hmm. Um, it's fantastic. And then when they win the battle, they take up all the all the prize meats they can find from the enemies and uh, bring them to their bring them to their king. With oh, yucky uh, crypt horrors. Um this is an interesting bit here on the cryptors. We all know what cryptors are. They were they were usable. They were your anvil in 7th and 8th edition. Um you know because they had really high defense, didn't attack well. Um these are the biggest and the strongest ones and they have grown big and huge on their on their king's blood. Um but they keep growing. Now, this mm-hmm. is why the bones stick out of these things because their bones keep growing even though because as their bodies mutate um, the bones don't stop so they stick through the skin. Um, their fa- their teeth are replaced with fangs and their and their finger the ends of their fingers their fingernails fall off as talons start to grow in their place. Um, the abattoir which we already spoke about, the guy who's in charge of all the the, the crypt horrors. Uh, though the abattoir is a group, um, it says that as, as their bones grow out of their, you know, from their ribcage areas or from their shoulders, and they grow too large, uh, they go and they cut them down. If they become cumbersome and in the way, these guys will cut down the bones and harvest them as trophies mm-hmm. to give out to their to their. To, so they're, they're, they they kind of reminds you of the the teeth growing, the teeth as the
1: means of income for orcs. The thing that this part reminded me of is the Grail Reliqui. Oh, yeah. You remember that thing? Yeah, Where yeah, the pilgrims yeah. are carrying around the bones of a fallen Grail Knight? Right. That part reminded me more of that because now these are holy artifacts is what they are.
0: Well, yeah, and they Dude. turn into trophies to be given to worthy worthy fighters and stuff like that. If you do well, you might be gifted with one of these big pointy bones. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Yeah, the the reliqui. Um They also claim gifts in battle and shove them into their skin as trophies or use them as weapons. So when you see all those bones sticking through the skin and weird parts, if they kill an enemy who was a particularly tough kill, they might break off a rib or something as a as a trophy and jam it through their skin. To, uh, and and they picture it as putting on a piece of armor. They picture or putting as, something in a sack. Yeah, yeah, it's shoving it right through your skin, so that it doesn't go anywhere. Could yeah, it's the same as having a backpack, I suppose. But it's your back. It's your back, and you got it's packed. So there you go. Um, yeah, but just the the shaving of the bones and stuff like that. I was like, oh, this is this is getting fascinating. Um, oh, here we go. Crip players, uh ghouls who have proved themselves they're given abhorrent ghoul king blood mixed with terrorgeist flesh and necromantic fluids <laughs> i don't even want to know what that means like <laughs> in necromantic fluids okay you just you, uh, let's keep it vague i'm i'm con- i'm content i don't want to let's know what kind of fluids yeah uh, and then they transform into flayer. And the biggest and best become the Crypt Infernals, and these guys are the ones who fly around. Um, they they stick to when they're like I said, when their Lord's flying into battle, they stay around him. He's on his terrorgeist They fly. They go flashing in to get stuff and and kill things. Um, they're they're pretty good apparently. Um, and then we're down to just the terrorgeist and the Zombie Dragon. You want to take uh, terrorgeists?
1: Yeah, um, so we got introduced to the Terrorgeist, and it's just this big undead bat. But it's more than that to what the um, the Ghoul Kings see them. They see them as magnificent, noble creatures. Oh, yeah. Um, and I forget where it was, what they referred to them as, because they referred to the dragons as um, like a solar drake. Not like a solar drake, but like some sort of sun drake or something like that, and they refer to these guys as Something else. Um, but right. this is the big, awesome monster that flies around, and it yells at things very loudly. Uh, um, the scream, yeah. Yeah. And it's also like a f- home to a bunch of bats. It's infested in and of itself, and it's almost like the bats are When it rests eating- in
0: its cave, it rests in a cave and hangs upside down like a flipping bat.
1: And then and, the bats live up
0: in him. Yeah, they burrow into him while he's resting. And, they yeah, they live inside him, which is why when it dies and you had that old rule where it turned in all the swarm of bats, mm-hmm. that's what's happening. All of those bats break out and take off. Yes. Um, did you Do you have anything more that you want to talk about with these
1: guys? Um, well, it's we've been introduced to the concept of the terror guys before. Right. So there's not a whole lot... I think, really needs to get added to that. Um, and then we move to the zombie dragons. Well, hold on. There were, which, two, there were oh. Because there
0: were two things I wanted to point out that I liked when I read this real quick. Just really quick. Um, go, go. Those bats that burst out and go everywhere with this, if the terror geist dies, if you can catch one of them and bring it to your Abhorrent Ghoul King, he can take that bat because it was living in and off of the terror geist, he can feed his blood to these bats that break out if you catch any of them, and they will grow into new terrorgeists. Mm. Which I think, okay, there you go. There's a way to keep the. That, that's how they keep the population. Because apparently terrorgeists were a thing. That was something that I stopped and I had to read it twice. There are no living terrorgeists left in existence. They are all undead creatures and spawns of these undead creatures. So this Terrorgeist, which actually looked like uh, an amalgamation of other creatures, I thought this was sort of cobbled together by like a necromancer, some sort of insane sort of crazy huge thing. And it's like, nope, these creatures were creatures at one point, flying around Terrorgeist, living regular Terrorgeists. And uh, there are no more living Terrorgeists in existence, it says. But... Uh, I just thought it was interesting that there was this other creature. I just didn't realize that's what it was. And then that you could just make more off the bats that live off of its – inside its carcass. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
1: But, okay, we can get into zombie dragons now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the zombie dragon, um, it's this massive undead dragon, as it should be, that is right. still – living animated by dark magic um, and it's the very stuff of death that emanates from the monster's skull. So there's a lot of malign intelligence and only the strongest of wielders of dark power can control these things. And it even says right at the end that to that they're rare and powerful and an abhorrent might spend centuries seeking out a dragon graveyard because that's what dragons do. they fly somewhere to go and die and then they get reanimated and infused with dark power and it says to a flesh eater court the discovery of such a location is a prize indeed many have been the lands reduced to ruin in the wake of such a darkly fortuitous find so these things are highly sought after noble mounts in the eyes of the ghoul kings and yeah they do what dragons do they're still kind of cold and aloof um and they're tough as nails
0: Yeah, I just love the idea of finding yourself a zombie or a dragon graveyard. Yeah. So, I mean, think how fortune switches for that, where you have a ghoul king who knows where these these dragons are and summons one forth. And it says, unless you're super powerful, it just goes inert. Mm -hmm. It'll just go inert, unless you're strong enough to reanimate it and keep it going. But I just figure dragons are already such magical creatures, and you're trying to reanimate that body and it's just the size and the, uh,
1: yeah, it's got to be difficult. Yeah. And to even use one as a mount, um, there is, a ironically enough, another Black Library book, um, Mortark of Night, where Manfred is on the run because that's what he does. Um, he's running away from Stormcast that he betrayed, naturally. Um, and he's taking shelter with a flesh eater court. And in order to curry favor with them, he reanimates I believe it's a terrorgeist or a zombie dragon. So this way the ghoul king can use that as a giftly mount for me to ride into battle with my sword, which is just a really sharp bone. Right. But it's it's a weird mentality that they see these horrible, terrifying things as these glorious creatures that we've been used to seeing like elves ride. That That's what they see.
0: Yeah, again, yeah, they're, they are out there making sure that uh, they're protecting their people from all of these crazy invaders who are, mm-hmm. just keep attacking them for
1: no reason. No reason whatsoever.
0: So good. So good. All right. Um, break time. And when we come back, do we want to talk uh, stories and battle plans first or do we want to do some War Scrolls and then once we've got a little a little handle on the creatures, we'll come back to... um. The battle plans and the and the larger battalions
1: Um. yeah we can do that and there's just one thing I wanted to point out on one of the pages real quick sure sure but that's it alright cool
0: then uh, we'll be back in a minute and um, we'll keep this going uh, this really exciting little bit man this is making me want to go back and rebase all my models I gotta get this done quick because I gotta paint more Stormcast so we gotta do this before I get too hooked on this so we'll be back
2: In the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie.
0: That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like Garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks.
2: That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in Garage Gear.
0: And we are back. That we are. Oh, hi, Alex. Hi, Dave. It's a new day, <laughs> folks. We're this, this was recorded in two parts over two days here. It's a new day? I'm in a good mood. I got my Stormcast Eternals book. I got to flip through it a little bit this afternoon. Oh, oh I can't wait to talk about that book. But we're not. We're talking about the Flesh Eater Courts. Uh, let's look at some of these war
1: scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and it leads off with the Ghoul King on the Terrorgeist. Um, yes. And it's got a full-page picture of this guy and all his rampaging, crazy, I-don't-know-how-he's-hanging-onto-this-things-back glory. Um, he's got strong but, thighs and, and, and
0: those <laughs> and those hooked toes that go right in there.
1: Yeah. Um, so with the Ghoul King, it's a pretty beastly little model. Um it's got variable move based on wounds. Um, the Shriek changed um, from the Terrorgeist. So prior to this, you would roll three dice, and if you beat their bravery, it would do that many mortal wounds. Now it's you roll a dice and you add the number on the table, and for every point you beat their bravery by, it does mortal so, wounds.
0: Well, So that's much harder, it looks like, because, well, I mean, depending on the unit. Um, so if you start off with no wounds... The death streak you're adding six, yeah, and every three wounds done that number drops by one, so at four wounds it only adds a five at seven it only adds a four at ten wounds it only adds a three um, yeah so I mean the most you can roll well you roll between a seven and a twelve on when he's when he's healthy mm-hmm so against some of these bravery ten armies you know it's 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 a lost cause, of course against things that have low bravery like grots and stuff you're already wounding them before you rolled the dice
1: yeah or with something like a stormcast, it's just a straight die roll right um, to see how much you do so it's tougher to get the oomph out of it compared to what it was but there's a extra little trick in here with one of its abilities because it heals d3 wounds every hero phase nice so it's going to stay up near the top of that tank unless you get double turned and get hit really hard. True. So it's going to be on those higher numbers more consistently, um, but it's still it's still not a bad piece. And then no, I'm not saying it's in, bad. I mean, it never yeah. did
0: that ton anyway, but you're just saying uh, the stuff that has the lowest bravery seems to be the stuff that often is more in
1: hordes. Yeah, so there's a lot of them for these guys to go after. Yeah, so
0: doing five wounds against uh, against Chad's 60-grot unit doesn't matter, whereas doing one wound against a 10-unit uh, that's got a higher bravery, also, it's, it's, it's not the devastating going-to-destroy-you. Yell and
1: scream it was. Exactly. Um, so then you move into kind of the meat and the potatoes with this guy. You get his claws, which are... Pretty basic. lot of attacks. Um, three to hit. Three to wound, um, Ren one, damage one. That's always there. It's five free attacks from him. Um, the claws start at four and work down every six wounds. Essentially, he takes. He goes from four to three to two. Um, that hit four, wound three, ren one, damage D3. That's cool. The big kicker on this guy is his mouth, which is substantial for this model. Um He's got a big mouth. He yells, but he also bites. So he gets three attacks all the time with this profile. Always hitting on four. Always wounding on three. Ren two, damage D6. And if he rolls a six to wound, he does an automatic six mortal wounds instead of normal damage. Oh, nice. This guy can take huge chunks out of big, tough tanks or get through armor really well and... Like, the dragons have a stat line like that, too, on their bites, but there's changes. This guy does not change in the least. So you'll always have that regardless of how much damage you've taken, which is a big advantage for these guys. Um, And then, like we talked about in the fluff section, when these things die and explode, um, all these bats come flying out of it. Um, And any unit within three inches of it, when it dies, takes D3 mortal wounds from the bats flying out and going crazy. So even if it blows up, it's still going to do damage on the way out, which is always a nice thing. Um, And then he's a wizard, too. So he gets the two base spells. He can cast one and dispel one, but his spell is unholy vitality, so he gets to pick a unit of Flesh Eaters within 18 inches on a 5, they get to ignore a wound or a mortal wound on a save of a 5 or a 6. So the rest of the army when we get into it only has a 5 or a 6 save to begin with. This gives them a little extra staying power, which is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Then the command abilities on all of the Ghoul Kings are not like make a unit better or anything like that. It's mustering more troops and summoning more of their army. So for the one on the terror geist, it's summon Royal guard where he gets to set up a new unit of three crypt horrors or flares within three inches of any battlefield edge and more than nine inches away from the enemy. So essentially what you can do is if you have three of these guys set up off to the side, your first turn you can pop him up behind your opponent and charge right out of the way, very ambush style, which appeals to their tactics of kind of that swarming, hitting you from every direction kind of mentality. Nice. So. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty all right.
0: I like it. Uh, yeah. So And then that's just that's just all sorts of awesome. It is. It is a really he's great. A... Yeah. I can see why people take this in like almost all their armies.
1: Yeah, he's prominent. Um, and then the next one you're going to see, the zombie dragon one, is a new variation on the kit. Because um, he's the dual kit to either make a sh- ghoul king on a terrorgeist geist or a vampire lord on a zombie dragon. They repurpose the kit like we're going to see as a common theme here. So now you can put a ghoul king. On top of a zombie dragon, which is <laughs> pretty terrifying prospect. Um, do you want to cover this one real quick? Like, just talk rules. Uh, sure. Hold on a second. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay, so it's got the pestilential breath, which they talked, which you talked about earlier, that the uh, the flayers get when they eat the zombie dragon's uh, uh flesh. Uh, if he roll equal or less than the number of models in the unit, the attack scores a hit without needing to make a hit roll. So you roll a dice when you use it, and you don't have to roll to hit if it's less than the number of models in the unit, which isn't bad for, for large, larger units. Um, and then basically um, the to wound roll starts at a 2+, and drops to a 6+, for every three wounds. Rend 3 damage D6. So it can do it can do something really great, um, and like I said, the, it's basically just pictured. It's it's putting out a uh, a huge uh, you know a, like a big gaseous breath thing. So the more things there are around him, the more chances stuff's getting hit. So mm-hmm. um, and he heals D three wounds in the hero phase two. Um, uh, he's still a wizard on top of it, one spell. Uh, and the one he gets on this one is feeding frenzy, which I believe is yeah, it's different than the one he gets if he's on the uh on the on the terrorgeist. So feeding frenzy. Uh, let's see he imposes will they see a ripe banquet before them and descend upon it with an insatiable hunger casting value of six if cast until your next hero phase reroll all fail wound rolls for flesh eater court models from your army within ten inches of the caster in the combat phase so if you've got a bunch of stuff around him, anything within ten inches of him can reroll failed
1: to wound rolls, which ain't bad no it's actually huge yeah. Like- when we get to some of the units, um, this will pick up as kind of pushing it one step further. Um, and then the combat stat line on the dragon itself is pretty, pretty similar to what you saw with the terror guys. It gets more claw attacks. Um, otherwise, it's pretty much the same profile. You just don't get the auto D6 wounds on the six, and this thing doesn't explode um, when it dies. But its command ability is to summon a new courtier model um, within three inches of an edge of a battlefield and more than nine inches away from enemy models. He can't move. So it's an automatic summon. And when we get to the courtier models, they do other things for your army that this guy can't, which is to fix and heal units. Right. So you can get another big buff where you need it in addition to, again, playing to the mentality of, they like to swarm you, so even their rules are not traditional summoning, like a spell would pull something out of the ground. They're calling in reinforcements from the side, which is thematic at the minimum, and just really cool at the other end. <laughs> yep.
0: Dude, dude, that's, um, that's really, you know, having, calling in a hero like that is actually really
1: cool. Yep. Um, So then, after that, we go on to the Ghoul King himself on foot. Um, This one, I personally think is the most useful one, like, tabletop-wise, because of what he does. Um, Like, all the Ghoul Kings, he he heals D3, wounds a turn in your hero phase. He's still a wizard. Um, His spell is Black Hunger, so... His dark sorcery raises the cravings of his minions to terrible new heights. Um, Goes on a five. You pick a unit of Flesh Eaters within 18 inches, and you get to add one to the attacks characteristic of any melee weapon that they use. Which is a lot. Especially with some of the bigger guys. The Crypt Horrors have a lot of attacks. Right. Or if you use this on a monster, like the... Terrorgeist or the zombie dragon you put an extra attack on all of their big hitters so you get a lot out of them but it's only on the melee weapon so it doesn't affect the breath or the shriek so.
0: right but a lot of times you see this thing going and you know hey your ghouls which you have a horde of suddenly are going up even more attacks yeah i mean that's isn't that like the basic strategy i mean you're already getting They got two attacks. If you have 20 or more models, they have three attacks. This guy's giving them four attacks.
1: And they're on little, little bases.
0: Yep. They're on 25s. It's just crazy.
1: You can get a lot of ghouls attacking. You can get a lot of dice. And then when we get to the ghouls' abilities, um, in addition to the attacks, if they're within – well, actually, we can just cover the ghouls, I guess, because he kind of plays right into them. Sure. Um, They get to re-roll hit rolls of one, if they're within 15 inches of a ghoul king when they fight. So you have four attacks optimally from each guy with this spell. Force to hit, re-rolling ones, and then force to wound. You need a KFC bucket for the amount of dice you're going to throw at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not including rerolling ones or anything like that. They don't have a lot of rend in this army as a whole, but they do have a lot of attacks. So... It makes up for it. Um, And then his command ability is to summon a new unit of ghouls within three inches of a battlefield edge and then more than nine away from the enemy. So another ambush, but now it's just basic troop models. So he's calling more out of the ground, calling more out of the caves that they're hiding to come and fight for him. Yep. Which is like and, we've been talking about this is their thing
0: yeah and then before we get to the Vargolf, let's skip him again one time and go to the crypt Gast courtier mm-hmm. because this guy uh, he's the what the champion from the unit raised up to a hero level which as we talked about happens if you do something really good yeah the crypt, the ghoul king will feed you more of his blood and you will basically become uber uber ghoul or uber whatever and be raised up to hero status um, so this guy's, um, he's basically got one better save and four wounds, uh, than a regular ghouls. Um, he's got a club with three attacks, threes by threes, one damage, and his claws, two attacks, fours by threes, one damage. Now, what's awesome about this guy, uh, he's got two things. First of all, uh, muster men at arms. In each hero phase, roll six dice, okay? Okay. All the two-ups, add one model to a unit of Crypt Ghouls from your army within 10 inches, and you can distribute however you want. So if there's only one unit and you, roll all of, you don't roll any ones, then you can add six models to that unit. Um, if there's two or three units within 10 inches, you can divvy them out as you see fit, which, when you're playing in matched play and you can't go above your starting unit size, can come in mm-hmm. very handy, just divvying yes. them out. Um, he's also, if he slays an enemy model in the combat phase, add one to the attack characteristics of any melee weapons used by units of Crypt Ghouls for the remainder of the phase. So you let this fool attack first, and then any of those units within 10 inches that he was able to, to, to add more models to, get another attack. So if him and the Ghoul King are near a unit of over 20 of them, they're getting five attacks. Mm-hmm. And they're they're getting five attacks, rerolling ones. Um, yeah. it's it's. it's, it's it, I mean, this is the synergy. This is the this is the combo for your for your you know your your sort of your you know your battle line troops. Um, it's it's great. I mean, a unit of twenty guys potentially has a hundred attacks.
1: Yeah. And that's not even really batting an eye with them. Um, Yeah. And these guys are not the typical slow, shambling dead. These guys are all movement six at least. So they hustle across the board real quick.
0: Which, if you recall, in 8th edition, all of these things were 4-inch movers, and it was only the horrors that were moving, the crypt horrors that were moving six. Yeah. That was one of the benefits. The big guys were really moving. These guys haul across the table. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so yeah. it's so good. Like <laughs> it's just you can see why hordes of I mean people taking just flesh eater hordes. You know, I mean it's just uh, now the, the of course the problem is they've got a six up save.
2: And yeah, but really there's no, a lot of them.
0: Yeah, there's a ton of them, but they die by droves. Uh bravery mm-hmm. 10 helps. Yeah, especially cuz if the you've got army. especially cuz if you're fielding these you're probably fielding units of 30. To start with, which means they start off at bravery thirteen.
1: For purposes of battle shock, yeah,
0: yeah. So I mean, even if you would kill some of them, there's a good chance up that they're not as many are going to run as you would like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just stupid. I love it. God, I miss. I want. <sighs> okay, I'm not even going to talk about that right now. We're gonna because I'm just going to start to. I'm going to sit here and start wish listing and stuff, and I don't want to do that. Um, shall we discuss the Vargolf?
1: Yeah, this guy is. To me, he's the standout in this book for what he does because they took him from just a combat monster to a combat monster, but he's a center, or an integral part of the army. Um, so this guy, movement 10, 5-up save, 10 bravery, 8 wounds, that his stat line doesn't change except in the positive. <laughs> um, so he's got four attacks from his claws, the two-inch reach, um, hit on threes, wound on threes, rend one, damage two. And then he's got a bite uh, that hits on a three, wounds on a two, rend two, damage d3. He's got big, torn-up wings, and previously, he couldn't fly. Yeah, he, he didn't he used to be able to fly. Those wings were sort of for show, and now he can fly. Which is awesome for getting him where you need him, because he's a big, heavy-hitting model, which adds a lot of extra punch to this army. Yep. Um, And then he's got... He's got a better ability than the Crypt
0: Ghast, because the Crypt Ghast can only add ghouls, because he was a ghoul.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I like the name of it. It's To the King. Yes. You can just see this guy yelling and screaming, To the King, rally around your lord. Or being more like...
0: But they're all hearing To the King, because they understand that weird gibberish language that they speak. So yeah, so it's another. It's a six dice, and on a two or more, you can add a model to a crypt ghoul unit within ten inches. Same rule, except if you roll a five or more, you can replace a crypt horror or crypt flayer. You can add one of those instead. So suddenly Mm -hmm. you're going from a little ghoul to a horror or a flayer on a five or a six. So this guy, it's like, ah, I got the juice, man. This guy's, oh man. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, if he's within 18 inches of a Flesh Eater Court Wizard that successfully casts a spell, he gets to reroll all failed hit rolls. Um, and Oh, he gets six attacks if there's at least ten models within three inches of him. So he's got a nice-sized base, and if you're fighting in a horde, once again, his attacks go up. Six attacks, threes by threes, with one rend and two damage. You can get a lot of... And he heals D3 wounds at the end of each combat phase in in which he slew any model. So if he kills anything with all those... And, I mean, he's got an attack that's three by two with two rend and D... I mean, he's... This guy is more likely than not to do a wound.
1: Yeah, at least one. And his... With Age of Sigmar, how you have to pick units to attack with... You can have him go in your second pick because they'll probably pile in against him. He'll probably survive. He'll get more attacks, and then he heals wounds after he's sure to kill something. Yeah. So he's going to bounce right back, and he can do a lot of red work, which is (laughs) what he's supposed to do. But he's also one of those central pieces to your army. Yeah. So
0: if you don't want to take and like if fluffwise if you don't want to take the ghoul king or if it's expensive that's his that's his uh, second. That's the guy who can run. Although a, a ghoul king on foot and a courtier on foot might be a might be a good combo. I mean, obviously the terror guys and the zombie dragon do a lot of good work, but if you're a, if you're a if you're a foot slogging player like I tend to be, mm-hmm. you might be putting them back that way. I just I love it. I just love you can see just all the combos working in here. I can see why, like I said, when 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 we were playing over with uh, at uh, at Wapaca that first day, why this this particular army did so well with just hordes and hordes of ghouls and all these things buffing them and backing them up. Oh goodness! Okay, so uh, horrors and haunters. Why don't mm-hmm. we why don't we do the horrors first and then do all the things that the Haunter Courtier can do to help him.
1: Sure. Um, so with the haunt, the, the horrors, these are the big hulking ghouls. The knights mm-hmm. um, move seven, five up, save bravery ten, and four wounds a base. So pretty good stat line. They're really quick. Again, for such big models, um, they have their clubs and septic talons. So there's three attacks a base. Four by fours. Threes, yep and a damage tube with no rend. So that's the only kind of letdown that these guys have, but um, you get an additional attack out of the champ. They have warrior elite, so anytime they roll a six to wound, that wound will do three damage instead of two if it gets through.
0: Nice so these guys hit
1: harder, even if there's no rend to it. So you gotta separate out your sixes, but that's fine. Yeah. Um... And then with a lot of the spells where they get to re-roll to wound rolls or add plus one to their wound rolls, these guys suddenly get much better. Again, the synergy piece. They heal a wound in each of their hero phases. Um, so extra little pip on there. And then their big ability is chosen of the king. So if they're within 15 inches of a ghoul king, they get to re-roll failed to hit rolls. Yeah, not just failed, uh, not just the ones, like the ghouls, This is all of them. Yeah, and there's a lot of attacks, and if you can combo it up with Black Hunger, they get four attacks, which is a lot. Mm -hmm. And there's another piece we're going to talk about after we get through this whole book that will take this book to that next little pip. Um, And that's from
0: the Death Alliance, right? The Death Grand Alliance? That's from the Death Alliance,
1: yep. Um, So that's the horrors. So big hulking guys hit really hard. Then, then you it, get the, the haunted, courtier.
0: Yeah. yeah. So they got one better, What they got two more wounds and one better save. Um, and then they've got the club, it does the same thing, three attacks, fours by threes, three damage off the bat, though, not two damage, hopefully making three. They just do three mm-hmm. damage. Uh, and their talons have two attacks, fours by threes, one damage. So five attacks total coming out of these guys. Uh, they heal one wound in the hero phase, just like the Crypt Horrors. Do. All Horrors heal one wound in the hero phase. Reroll Fail to Hit Rolls, Chosen of the King, just like the Crypt Horrors. Their bonus is the Muster the King's Chosen. They're basically, they're, the, they're pretty much the same as the Crypt Horrors, except they don't have Warrior Elite because they don't need it. They're already doing three damage. Muster um, King's Chosen is their big bonus. Roll six dice, each roll of five or more, add a crypt, add a model to a unit of Crypt Horrors within 10 inches. So it's the same thing that the ghouls have, except, or actually it's the Vargolf's ability of the fives to add ghouls. Except uh, that's all he does. On fives, he adds ghouls. So on six dice, he got an odds to add one or two Crypt Horrors to any units within... Within ten inches. That's this is just it. I mean, uh, granted, it's it's all it's all dependent on dice, so it could be great or it could be nothing. But the potential here is just, oh, I love it. You know, I mean, you know, I love playing my, my grow my zombie grow list, and there isn't a there isn't a, a battle tome for special you know especially for playing those lists. We just have this one, but this is so good. I like this so yeah. much.
1: And it's a different style of grow. It's not spells. This is calling reinforcements with a summoning type mechanic. Right. So it fits the nature of their army without not detracting from what we would expect from a typical undead army. Yeah. So it's a good combination. It's well, good plus way you of-
0: can't just grow them because they're mm-hmm. not dead. Like it's not they're not that type of undead. Like you said, you can't summon them per se. Um, if like magically summon them out of the ground you can call put out the call and if they hear you they can come running and I know that's a it's a small difference but as a as a you know as a um as a story stinker it's it's a cool difference and it's, it's enough it's, of
1: a difference yeah yeah
0: so let's see let's move on to the Flayas.
1: yeah now this is the new kit. These are essentially Crypt Horrors with Vargulf wings. Yep. Um, So they move 12, um, which is big. They do fly, obviously, because they got wings. Um, (laughs) They save a 5-up, 4 wounds apiece. Um, They have a Fearsome Battle Cry, which is kind of like a small Terrorgeist scream. So they pick a unit within 10 inches to yell at and roll a dice for each one of them that's in range. And if they... And then they add one to the results on the dice, and for every point they beat the unit they're screaming at bravery by, they deal a mortal wound. So it's not a lot. It's not going to be like a terrorgeist volume, but it's every little bit helps, especially... Yeah. <laughs> well,
0: if you've got a unit of three and you get off a couple of good rolls, you could do a bunch. I yeah. Mean for, you know, if it's they suffer mortal wounds equal to the difference, I mean... You only—it's—I mean—it's two through seven, so it's not like you're going to be wiping out anything. I mean, if you've got a—in fact, if you have a seven or higher bravery, this role is useless.
1: Yeah, but if you don't, this can—these guys can go through swaths of troops. Like a sixty-man grot unit is only bravery four, maybe five, so these guys each can knock down. And that's the thing; Two they're or not three a turn. They're each. not terror geists.
0: You know, they're no. not scaring everything on the field. They're much smaller, but against smaller enemies, they can. These things
1: are terrifying.
0: Yeah, they can throw in. They can scare the heck out of them too. Um, well, well written. I like. This, I like. I like how the rules, not just are written, but how they all, like they don't even not. Even, just the, how they complement each other, but how they work together. These guys ate Terrorgeist meat to get their wings and stuff, so they have a, a very, very small version of the Terrorgeist ability. And let's face it, they should be smaller. They're not as scary as a giant Terrorgeist. And the rules reflect the fluff. It's one of the coolest things about the what GW's been doing in the past year is the rules really tend to reflect the fluff, and it does so, so well in this book It's just It's blowing my mind Like I said Coming back to it Six, seven months later Not really having played it Too much Because I just it, I'm like Oh it doesn't have All the zombies in it That I like to play mm-hmm. Um, And I'm busy Messing around With the Stormcast It's making me Want to go back And maybe get some of these And make some flares And, and, and fill up The rest of this army And maybe do something with it It's just It's, yeah. it's, it's really
1: fun Mm-hmm Yeah And then Their Claws in combat Forty hit Four to wound, uh, three to four wound. attack. Oh, four to hit, three to wound, four attacks. ren one damage one. So this is your base source of ren. They don't hit as hard as the crypt horrors, but they do have a lot. They have more attacks with the ren and if they roll a six to hit, they, they more wound, wound. So they have a way to punch through armor. Um, and they just put out a bucket of attacks. And if you get like black hunger off on these things. Then they go up to five attacks a base. Um, they can just put out a whole world of hurt. Yep. Against the right targets. So.
0: And then p- you bring in the, the the courtier, which once again two extra wounds, one better save. Uh, still got the skewering strike. I think it's the same, except now now the courtier, you know the character model, he does two mortal wounds on a six. Uh, mm-hmm. To hit, which is the same thing that the retributors do yeah so that that's no joke this this i mean he's a hero character and they're just you know line characters but that's still that's pretty good uh his other ability with muster royal guard uh and it's the same thing um it, that's the you know roll six dice fives are better adds a model back to a unit of crypt flares within ten inches um once again it's consistent so he does have a breath weapon he has fed yeah. breath because
1: oh weren't these the... They oh, eat the dragon flesh.
0: That's right. If you're a flayer who proves himself worthy, there's really nowhere to go. You've already eaten Terrorgeist uh, uh, flesh to get to here. So then you get to eat dragon fle- flesh. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
0: Nine inch breath attack. A single attack. Fours by threes. One rend. Damage. D3. Not bad.
1: No, not at all.
0: Um, Much easier to... It seems much easier to do damage. This can do damage to any unit. Whereas yes. the whereas the regular flayers can only do that sort of damage with their battle cry to low low bravery units, mm-hmm. um, and then the talents five attacks fours by three one ren damage
1: two so there are no slouches here. No, they can put on the work, and they do the most damage consistently in combat. But <sighs> it's just a matter of what you like. Yep, because you can't go wrong with any of these units thus far. It's just a matter of what you think is cool. Because they all play very well,
0: yeah, and now after that, all we've got left are the terrorgeist and the um and the and the zombie dragon, but I think it's it's the same
1: it's the exact same rules, isn't it, yeah, the dragon is the same, except he obviously doesn't get to heal wounds. Um, or anything like that but otherwise he's the same. Yeah, the,
0: the the Terrorgeist has royal menagerie. It doesn't get to the heal wounds either. Yeah, they both don't get to heal wounds because they're, they're they don't have the Ghoul King right there with them.
1: Mhm. But the Terrorgeist gets the menagerie ability um so he heals d3 wounds if he's within 5 inches of a Ghoul King.
0: Okay, so um, now it's not automatic. He's got to stick near the Ghoul King, but as long as he's near him he gets it.
1: Yeah. So there's a little more synergy with the Terrorgeist versus the Dragon, so there is that for you, but it just depends on what you want out and what model you think looks cool because they're both tough as nails.
0: Yup. And yeah, and everything else is the same, like you said, for the Zombie Dragon, except it doesn't have the uh, Royal Blood. So, mm-hmm. so if you're not... Fielding him with the ghoul king on him, I could see how the zombie dragon would be not nearly as good as the terror geist. Uh, only yeah. because you can just kill it uh, quicker. Mm-hmm. But, man, this is just... These are great. I mean, it's, it's funny because they've actually only got... You know, this isn't that... you know, not, The synergies are way better. But if you look at this... Uh, um, Let's see, you've got two ghoul kings on mounts, one ghoul king on foot. That's three characters. Vargolf is four. Ghast courtier, haunter courtier, infernal courtier. That makes seven. So seven Mm -hmm. character models. And then you've got ghouls, horrors, and flayers. Three troop models. This, This book is not that different from the Fire Slayer book.
1: Or the Bone Splitters.
0: Or the Bone Splitters, exactly. But the sitting Bone Splitters has a lot of synergy, too. This is where the Fire Slayers sort of didn't quite get... I mean, they have some synergy, but it's nothing like this. This is... No. This is just, you know... I guess I I freak out about it, because, I mean, you don't hear about these guys winning tournaments with this stuff. And, in fact, all I've heard lately on the Internet is people complaining about how, you know, death is just not you know, death is getting nerfed and death is not so good, especially if you take away the Tomb King stuff. But this, I mean, if if this, if this you like to play grow lists like I used to, I
1: look at this and was
0: like, oh, I'm home.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and I, I genuinely disagree with the effectiveness of Death Armies, Sans, Tomb Kings. Um, but these guys, especially when you add in the extra death abilities to get Red Fury. Okay, so for every... Every time I do damage, if I roll under the amount of damage I did, I get to pile an attack again. Okay, by the way, I'm on a Terrorgeist, so let's do that again. Or everybody within 10 inches of a hero gets a 6-up Ignore a Wound save. So these guys are much tougher than yeah, yeah, You're going to
0: play a bunch of the heroes.
1: Oh, yeah. And you're going to play with at least one of these battalions, but I think the big thing that it got me is that this is an entirely new concept of army out of three plastic kits and you get out of three boxes seven different characters three different units or five different units if you want to include the dragon and the terror guy separate so you get essentially 12 different units out of three boxes Okay, yeah,
0: because it's the, well, okay, yeah, look, is that, is that is it that few? So you got the Dragon Slash Terrorgeist box.
1: Which has the Ghoul King in it.
0: Right, so that's one box. Then you've got you the, the Vargulf.
1: Oh, okay, four kits. I forgot him. The, the
0: Vargolf is its own. Um, ghouls is the third box.
1: And you get the Ghast out of that the one. The Ghast
0: out of that one. And then, yeah, because the, the Haunter is just a big horror. The Flayer is the horror with the different wings. Oh, so that's, that's the fourth box. Yeah. And they're all existing boxes, but you've got new things because now the ghouls can ride the zombie dragons, and they've made up two... Well, they basically... I mean, they made up one new kit out of that dual kit and then split those into hero level and grunt... Yeah four boxes you have got a whole new way to play your army mm mm-hmm. mhm and it is very different this is very into. different than what the ghouls were back when we were playing in 7th and 8th it's very yeah. different i mean they used to have a ton of attacks and they were good they were good to use cuz they had they had, in fact they're in fact they're even more different cuz remember the ghouls were the ones that had really good defense
1: yeah and they were really tough
0: and they, they had, had poison. poison they didn't have good attacks but their toughness was high and they had the poison but their attacks themselves were crummy so you were relying on the poison but they were really, these guys aren't really tough. I mean, they're tough because of the the bonus and stuff. But they're pretty much a five up or a six up save for a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you need to once again, yeah, bring in your allegiance abilities. Yeah, on, you know, so they get a six up ward on top of their five up save and others. Yeah, it's just, I love it. I do. I love it. And then even the even the uh, Warscroll battalions, which may not be great as far as. You know, playing them in competition, they, they, they add those little bonuses, which if you're playing, especially in fluff games,
1: um, so good. Yeah, they take the basic troops and add a thematic element to them, especially when we get to the ghoul patrol or the king's ghouls. It changes that one kit to either be the sneakers or to be the loyal, devout men-at-arms. So it just... It adds variety and does new things with an existing kit that is more than just what it is. So you get a lot of mileage out of everything in this book. Yeah. I mean,
0: even the attendance at court, if you like to throw in the the haunters, mm-hmm. you know, you get a haunter courtier and two units of cryptors, which, of course, you're going to have – you might – I mean, unless you're just going total ghoul heavy, that's easy to get. And, oh, uh, yeah. What does it do? you don't have to be within fifteen inches of a ghoul king to reroll failed hit rolls. It just automatically happens and if they are within ten inches um the if the ghoul king is within ten inches of the courtier, he can use two command abilities and including using the same one twice oh you mean that isn't that that ability that allows him to give uh
1: it's summon new troops so yeah if you have men a at ghoul arms king on foot you can pull two units of ghouls wherever you need them or yep. two units of the big things or two characters the courtiers with the dragon ghoul king or you can do two inspiring presences if you know your guys are going to go in and get beat up for a little bit
0: yeah the two or the yeah or the mystic
1: shields well that's a spell
0: oh that's a spell right that's, sorry what am i talking about <laughs> It's okay. uh, I was I was look I just I looked down and said, Oh wait, but no no that's not right. I'm an idiot. No, um, no. and that's just and that's just the attendance at court. I mean that's that's just a courtier and two units of horrors, which I love playing my horrors. I love playing my hoarders all the time. So to have those guys there I'm like, oh yeah, I'm
1: all about that. You know what I'm saying? And it's a prominent part of the army and it makes them different mm-hmm. and does new things with them. Um, the Considering
0: that the Haunter Courtier is 120 points, the yeah. unit of horrors, three horrors is 140. So you're looking at 280. So about 400 points for, the, for that base. And, and then, then the Battalion. And then the Battalion uh, is 100. So it's about 500 points. So I don't know if the extra 100 is necessarily worth them. But, I mean, always re-rolling to hit rolls no matter where you are.
1: Yeah, if you put a pack of six of the horrors in that, that's, what, 19 attacks, mm-hmm. reeling, fours to hit, threes to wound, with the sixes doing three damage a piece if they get through. That's a lot of dice. Yeah. That is not a lot to be sneezed at.
0: And it's like, well, but the courtier has to be within 10 inches of the ghoul king for him to use two two things. Who cares? They don't all have to be near each other.
1: No, this battalion the, the, doesn't the horrors like can anything. run Yeah, the, horrors, the,
0: the two units of horrors can run in and get stuck in, and the courtier can stick near his king. He's directing those guys while sticking near his king. It's, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it works. Because at first I read that and said, wait a minute, the whole bonus is they don't have to be near him, but then this guy's got to be near him. But that's only the one model. The rest of them can go where they want. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, oh, and then the dead watch... That's the the fl- three units of flayers with their courtier. Oh, I can uh, pile in and attack during the hero phase.
1: <laughs> we <Wait>, what? <laughs> That's. I take that. Yeah, and this does not require any sort of distance. It doesn't require any sort of ability. It just does.
0: In your hero phase, you can make a pile and move and attack with the unit as if it were the combat phase. Okay.
1: Works. So that's another free however many attacks times four. There's a lot of attacks just out of that, and that doesn't require a lot. Um, the standout for me is the Ghoul Patrol. Oh, um, yeah. I was, is, I was saving that one. Go for it. Oh, it's so good. So it's a gassed Courtier um, and three units of Crypt Ghouls. So this is going to hit your battle line immediately if you're playing match play. Um, so essentially what you do is you take – the units in the ghoul patrol you can place in one side and then they come up anywhere within six inches of a battle of an edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches away from any enemy model and that's their move. So these guys are your ambushers. They're the ones that are the rangers moving around on patrol and to have suddenly popped up with anywhere between 30 and maybe 90 or so ghouls. Um, oh yeah, by the way, there's Ninety goals coming in on your side, right there. It's it's a lot, and not and only that.
0: Now they've all got to be within six inches of the edge of the battlefield, so they're they're spread out wide and and yeah. not deep. But in because of this, in every hero phase, roll a d six and add that many for each unit of crypt goals in this battalion. Add that many models
1: with no range, with no requirement.
0: No, just they just get d six models added every hero phase,
1: each unit. Mm Mm-hmm. Ghoul patrol. Yeah. Yeah. And they get to do things like compete for objectives, for things being placed in spots where maybe the fighting isn't, so you don't want to devote a lot, but you can send a 10-man ghoul unit from the patrol over to go get it. Um, Or if they're within range of the courtier from the Crypt Ghast, they get to do the mustering. So that's six dice looking for twos or better plus D6 more, this is going to stay there for a very (laughs) long time. Yeah. And that's not including the 6-up death save on top of it. If you're doing narrative gaming, these guys
0: are crazy.
1: This army changes its play dynamics very much from match play to narrative play because you can start summoning with the muster turn 1 and because it doesn't say that you can't extend beyond your deployment zone i've played against this with uh, nick Fensky and lou masignani they did dual flesh eater courts at holy havoc this last year right and they had two Vargulf courtiers behind a six pack of crypt horrors and they summoned i believe it was seven crypt horrors in that first turn and they strung them along keeping with incoherency, and they charged us turn one from the other side of the table.
0: <laughs> That's insane.
1: Yeah, so these guys change dramatically in narrative play, so if you're going to be doing that, you should have a conversation with your opponent about um, how you're going to handle that because it does get to be overwhelming at times.
0: So they, Yeah, because all the models getting added without capping the unit size
1: anymore? Yeah. Oh, just crazy. It is. It's just a... Conversation with your opponent—it's something I would certainly recommend, but it just depends on what you want to do. If you want to see how long you can last against this, then cool—that's still a story. Go tell it. Go play it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's
0: just crazy. Yeah, I think that's kind of everything. Why don't we take a break because it's been like forty-five minutes, and so we should probably take a break. Uh, And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about. you know, we'll, we'll do a quick talk about A little bit about the battle plans And then some of the lists we've seen um, Because there's a couple different lists You can get from this Which mm-hmm. is surprising considering How few actual troop units there are But you can basically you know, Focus on any of those three And make a cool unit So we'll be back to talk about that in just a minute the Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique
1: Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at UniqueGG.com And we are back talking battle plans, a little extra story, and competitive term and army lists, because why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: now, the, uh, the battle plans are a little repetitive, but some of the story stuff in here I thought was really interesting. Um, these guys are obviously not just limited to the realm of death. They are in every realm. They have infected every realm. I'm assuming except Sigmar's
1: realm. Yeah, just because of the purge, but... Still, they talk about these guys being in Chamon, and then obviously Shyish. These guys are everywhere, so it's not Wherever there is carnage and death,
0: these guys are drawn to it. I think it's interesting that it talks about how they they like to be near realm gates. Um, Well, that's the action is. Yeah, and that's it. There's a lot of death and violence there, so they like to try to get... There are places near there, but they've also got to stay sort of off to the shadows a bit. So it's a it's a weird balance they've got to strike. What's really cool is even though they don't quite understand, some of them don't even quite understand what they are. They just know there's a lot of death and violence around them. Um, some of them actually use them, and they've got something called the Warp Spine Citadel, which is three like uh, you know three basically castles that are all sort of spread through the three realms, all connected by these realm gates. So they've got this one you know, area that they all hold together that they defend against all com- and no one's been able to take it because it's going through three different realms. So whenever you try to take one part, they just come swarming in to defend from the other two. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of crazy. They also talk about um, how they see themselves as lords protecting their people from the hordes and the crazy things that keep trying to destroy them. Which is just so funny. It's just like I said. I can't get over this this idea that they see every normal, quote unquote, normal group as barbarians or monsters or some things trying to to you know, and they're they are the last bastion bastion of hope in these areas. Um, and the final thing that was just in the fluff before some of the battle plans was this this whole issue with Nagash chasing them around. Um and uh you know he can't control them but he's trying desperately to and some of some have obviously offered fealty to him but the ones that haven't he really is trying to get a hold of in fact there's one specifically that is so close to the realm gate that he knows if he can get control of them and and start guiding and getting them to do his will he'll get that realm gate under his control as well yeah. so it's just like they're they're a hot mess And they are making trouble for everybody, even their own. You know, Mm -hmm. you know it's which is great. I love that they're trouble even for Nagash. Like it's like, oh, these guys. Yeah, they're good, but what a pain. I, you know,
1: yeah. And in this section, there's a definitive picture out of this army book that tells the whole story. Uh, Page forty-seven, I believe, it's a picture of a sword. And this is fancy rapier, golden, perfect. And the shadow it casts is a bone.
0: That's what they're seeing, and but the sun and the shadow isn't going to lie. No. That's a bone stuck in the ground, but they think it's a sword.
1: Yeah. it's the That, I think, is the most iconic image out of this whole book. I have to agree. Um, that's why I know some people will be like, you're just talking about a picture of a sword that's actually a bone. But there's more to it. That is... The definitive nature of this army is to see things in a different way, and there is an actual visual presentation of it, Yeah, which is...
0: No, it's really cool. See? It catches yeah. everybody's eye, I think, who looks through this. I've heard so many people when they were, we're talking about this book. Did you see that picture with the
1: sword with the bone shadow? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's so hard not to notice it and just to... That one deserves special praise, at least from me, from... Media Games Workshop for doing that. Because they don't need to picture like the ghouls in like armor or anything like that or anything that dramatic and weird looking. But something this simple speaks volumes.
0: Exactly. And in fact it's really the only way you can do it, because you can't even picture ghouls looking like ghouls in armor because they don't see themselves as ghouls in armor. They see themselves as I mean, it would be basically pictures of bretonians and Empire Knights and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, and uh, if they see ghouls that they are fighting, then who's really who in the picture? Right. Exactly.
0: Then you're just that. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. This picture sums it up because you've got the object as we see it, and the object casting a shadow as it actually is. It's just it's perfect. It really is. Hmm. Um, now there's three battle plans in here, and the first two are basically the same battle plan. Uh, Just with different setups. And it's, hey, I'm here and I'm being attacked on all sides by ghouls and I have to get out. And there's exit points on the board. Um, They're fun. The only thing that really stuck out to me when I read the two of these, though, because even the stories, they wandered in, they got ambushed, they died. Stormcast Mm -hmm. and a unit of, uh, you know, the corn blood, you know, Chaos Lord. So good guys and bad guys alike can, are getting slaughtered by ambushes from the Flesh Eater courts. Um, one thing really stuck out to me, though, and it's that first story, The Corpse Orchards. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go in and this guy, Voldir, sees himself as uh, like a prison warden, you know, or they're in the land of Voldyre. And this guy Merothirst sees himself as a prison warden, and there's a realm gate there. And these are, you know, his soldiers bring him prisoners, which he keeps putting into this place, which is obviously all these bodies. Um, what gets cool is, you know, the whole fight starts, and and the, there's just thousands of ghouls, and the and the stormcast have a couple hundred of them, and they're just they're getting it, it's a war of attrition, and they're just losing through sheer numbers. Uh and you get to this final battle, and Marothur, who is this ghoul king, calls out the Lord Stelliston Yrvesh. And they're getting into this fight, and he's doing okay against it. And the Ghoul King is fast. Like, he was surprised how fast he was. And he's fighting him, and he's having trouble. And it gets to a crucial moment, and this is the coolest part. He gets right up next to him in this crucial moment. He gets under his swing, and then gets up close to attack him, and he looks at him, and he sees Merrow thirst through the madness like he's fighting against him. He's a normal, you know, Stormcast. He's doing his gig, and he is infected by the madness. Mm-hmm. Like even he, mm-hmm. yeah. And 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 that and that stops him for a second. He stops saying, like, "Oh my God, he's beautiful." Like he's like, what is? Go-? And it it confuses him just long enough that Merrowthirst is able to spear him, like you know, put a put a claw right into him and, and kill him. Mm-hmm. Through the distraction, I just think the fact, like you hear about. Okay, if if you're crazy, the madness gets you, and if you're even if you're not crazy, the madness will slowly get you if you're this close. But I would think that would be over time. Here, even a stormcast, someone as pure as we picture them as the stormcast, riding in, he gets close enough in the middle of a fight, and he sees him that way. Like the madness is that strong. Mm-hmm. that even someone who is just not even a candidate for this type of thing gets too close and it affects him. I was just like, oh, that's
1: that's really awesome. Yeah. And it shows that, I mean, like people have always, I think, have hinted like the corruptibility of Stormcast because, again, they compare them to Space Marines. But they're not Space Marines, so let's just stop there. But it just this is the kind of magic and aura that they radiate. And this is... It's infectious. And again, it becomes just who they are and it affects everything around them. And this is just a most visceral example of it that even the most pure can be twisted.
0: Absolutely. It's... It's the one thing in these three stories that I took from the stories that stood out to me. Yeah. Was he walked up and it affected even a hero fighting against him never been exposed to this not crazy in the head it's that powerful that delusion is so strong that it gets to him I I loved it I loved it
1: Um, anything stick out in the third one for you the third one um, from a fluff perspective with them with the ghouls ambushing a fight between Skaven and Fire Slayers. Um, It's cool. The whole thing plays out um, with regards to, like, the Fire Slayers and the Skaven are fighting, and then the uh, Flesh Eater courts show up. Um, It's a nice three-way battle. Yeah. yeah, It's nothing that... um, The story didn't do a whole lot for me, I'm not going to lie. Nope. Um, But we've seen it before. Yeah, and we've seen two smaller examples previous to this. But it's a cool way to do a three-player game, even if you're not using Flesh Eaters or Skaven sure. or whatever. So, I don't know. I didn't get a whole lot out of this one. Um, it's a cool it's a cool battle plan, cool setup. The story was a little um, meh for me. But it's still a good thing to have in here. But again, it's the concept of ambush or defending a hold right um so i think it's a little bit of repetition there but that's and the first two i mean you can do these with any
0: armies you don't have to do them with the with the you know with the with the flesh eater courts now the one nice thing about it is the rules do talk about in some of these uh replacing units that get killed so -hmm. if you do use flesh eater courts i mean you don't have to use them But I think story-wise, narrative-wise for these battle plans, the idea of the constant replenishment is key. I think that's part of what was thought about when the battle plan was written. The fact that you're constantly adding more models to it while you're fighting it, and then if you kill it, it's going to come back off the board edge because they just don't stop coming. I mean, Mm -hmm. literally, the first battle plan, you're in the center. They're coming from the edges. You're trying to get off the board and they just keep coming. And if you don't get X amount of guys out of here to safety, that's, 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 the, that's the game, is getting them out to safety. Because you can't win because these things are just going to keep coming, which story-wise I love. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really good. Um, but, yeah, this last one, not as much. Didn't, didn't stick out as much. Right. I think that's everything. Did we hit everything? Yeah. So you want to talk a little, uh, you want to talk a, a little, little list
1: building? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this book, um, I don't know if it's just because my exposure to it has been more so, um, but Tom McClure, um, <laughs> let's talk about McClure's list cause it's good. It's good. And he keeps trying new things, but it's basically the same thing. And I'm just going to put this very mildly. There's a lot of them. Um, huh. He puts down anywhere between 60 and 90 ghouls, and that's just the ghouls, Yep. plus all of the horrors, plus all of the big things. And this army synergizes so well with what it does. It doesn't go away. It's very hard to take off the table. Um, and he doesn't do a lot of the things I think some people um, kind of just automatically assume. To do, you have to play this army smart because it has no rend. You have to know your targets. Um, But it's just a matter of going for it, swamping one thing, um, and just keep going. But they, they can get so many different places. And the thing is, when you play an army like this, when you're up against it, it doesn't go away. It doesn't die. It's very almost demoralizing just to see them keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. Right. So you get, you get a little down because you're like in a zombie movie and there's just no end to them. Um, but the truth is these guys, they can get stuck up on terrain because they don't have any rend for the most part. But I think the battalions is where this army shines. And then there's, um, a particular model that I've seen a lot of people use, um, is the necromancer, the most humble little bro out of the Death Grand Alliance book because of his spell, which is a mordant unit in this case, which is anything in this book except for the ten- the uh, teargeist and the zombie dragon can pile in an attack for a second time in the so combat phase. So good.
0: Now, that does make you not Flesh Eater Courts allegiance. of the
1: allegiance, so, which is
0: fine. Which is fine because you're going to take three units of Crypt Ghouls then. Yeah. You just basically can't use the Flayers or the Horrors as battle line. Right. Which, okay, and, because if you're doing the pile-in with the bajillion attack thing, you're doing that with the ghouls anyway.
1: Yeah. And when you get to do the math on, you get Black Hunter Hunger going, you get the numbers going, you get the Crypt Ghast killing something, the ghouls doing five attacks each, re-rolling ones, and then they get to do it again. Or if you hit a unit of flayers from the Dead Watch, they get to attack once in the hero phase and then twice again in the combat phase. Oh, so stupid. Or the abattoir with the crypt horrors where they get to reroll all failed to hits That's two pile-ins with four attacks apiece.
0: And the abattoir war scroll, by the way, is only 60 points. Yeah. It's less than a unit of ghouls. Or right?
1: no, the, uh, the uh, attendance at court.
0: Oh, the attendance at court. Okay, that's 100. Yeah. But still, I mean, for, a unit of 10 Crypt Ghouls is 100. I mean, for, for the extra 100, getting to not – I mean, oh, it's so
1: – Yeah, there's a lot. And then the Necromancer is a little more flexible. He's another wizard to feed your Vargulf, Courtier, to make him re-roll everything. So that one little guy I think is a notable mention – putting into a list from outside the Flesh Eater book, which is not the worst thing to do, but it's definitely an honorable mention for me. So here
0: comes my question. Yeah. You got 120 ghouls on the table, 90. Let's just say only 90. Yeah, let's start with 90. Okay, three units of 30. You've got all your extra stuff with that. I mean, that's that's 900 points right there in just ghouls. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all your other stuff. You got your 2000 point army here. Um you've only got a certain amount of time to play if you're playing match to play. Yeah. Um what do you think of uh some of the movement trays people have been putting together just sort of spaced out a bit? At least just, or even when I was playing against Chad, he just had them on regular movement trays just right next to each other. He's like, "Dude, I don't care that I get a half inch. I'm not taking it." I just I mean, well, of course, Chad had 180 uh Grotz.
1: But the concept's the same.
0: Yeah. Um just I have no I have no problem with people using movement trays when you have horde armies. And you want to yeah. get them across quickly. Uh because once you get them over into the combat, then you can start moving them off the tray and piling them in like normal and eventually the tray goes away. But uh I remember playing a hundred and twenty zombie list against you, I believe. It was
1: against me, and I cried a lot.
0: And it took us, like, forever because, and I was trying to be fair with the movement phase, but eventually we were just like move up the front row and just shove everything in behind it, and just, it's gonna be, you know, it's, you you know, you're you're probably not over moving Like, you're not measuring each model to make sure nobody's moving too far. Well, it was here, now the front line is up
1: here, and just shove everything in behind it, because it took forever. Yeah, it does take a long time, and with These guys, with some of the battalions, you can get the ghoul patrols, so you can do some smaller units. But Realistically, you're going to need to do something to make this process go faster, because they are very fast, so you're not reaching just a few inches in front of you. You're reaching across the table to move these things. So you have to do what works. I've seen, obviously, the trays. I've seen the five packs of little cluster bases. So it's just a matter of what... Works for you, and what works for the environment that you're in. See, and I'm only um, even
0: bringing it up because I know there's some some. I get emails and I get messages sometimes from people who are starting to listen, who are coming from 40k. Yeah, and I've actually been asking 40k players, especially people who like play orcs and stuff like that. I'm like, do you ever use a movement tray just to just to speed up being able to move? And they're all like, nope. And I was just thinking, well, they're you know some people are coming over from this game now. Um, some people coming from other games some people are just purists I've heard people who played it, you know playing Warhammer as long as I've been you know longer than I've been playing it and i was like what do you think about just throwing them up on movement trays? like ah. you know it's like now that we don't have those ranked and flanked solid bases it's like some people are, are hesitant I guess to to bring them back and use them in any form man i'm telling you if you've got 30 or 40 ghouls put them on something so you can just slide that thing forward once you get into combat it's not going to be a deal it's not going to be an issue because they're going to start moving and piling in and changing their form but that initial setup unless you're doing something weird where you're putting a box around something or you're or you're lining them up in a long string and you'd need like one long movement tray that's you know a, a, you know like a, like a yardstick
1: yeah, that's a little cumbersome, you
0: know, unless you're doing that. But if you're just kind of keeping them in a group, man, save your opponent and yourself some time. It's not pretty anymore, unless you get those fancy ones that are all that look like your bases, and then they just have the holes to put them in, where they're spaced yeah. out at a random order. If you're just throwing them on a tray, there's going to be gaps, there's going to be spots. Yeah, it's not as pretty, but come on, <laughs>
1: yeah, and. With the nature of the game being so much where it's, you know, interacting with the terrain and being in it as opposed to moving through it, um, it's gonna make a big deal in certain regards. So it may not be applicable all the time. But if you're running a unit straight down the pipe, then you do what you have to do to make that game go faster. Otherwise if you're especially when you're in like in a timed environment, yeah. Even if it's just playing at the local store and you have to finish the game before the store closes let alone a tournament, you're gonna need to do something to help yourself. Yeah. So, exactly. Just do what works best for you. And if you play a more elite flesh eater court with its mostly, if not completely, like crypt or something, that's fine. It's whatever works for you. Just, I think time consideration is a big deal with this kind of an army because there's a lot that happens in the hero phase. You don't have a shooting phase realistically, except for a few things. But the movement and the combat phase takes forever with yep. how many guys you have to count, how many dice you have to roll, how many things you have to keep track of with regards to spells. So any little cheats that you can do to help your ability to play the game in a timely fashion is a good thing.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's my one bit of advice is is, you know anything to speed that part up because i was embarrassed how long it was taking and i was trying you know we were trying to move it quickly like i was even like here you can shove some of these up if you want help me move them um i'm not worried about it because we were just trying to get them all to the back and it was just it was stupid it was really stupid yeah. um although i am looking forward to once i eventually get my 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 death army rebased I am looking forward to a game. Say, so just bring bring all your stuff, man. I'm just going to lay it all out on the table. Let's see how this goes. Just bring it all, and let's see how much these guys can do. Because I got 120 ghouls already. I already had 120 ghouls. Oh, you had that much? Yeah, I had 120 of the of the mantic ghouls. Yeah, I only I oh. think I only painted a hundred of them.
1: Yeah, I was just um, counting zombies. So those zombies,
0: I had over 200. But now I'm doing. I'm not. I can't rebase those. Those have to be rebuilt. So yeah. And that's one of the things I'm kind of waiting to see if they ever... And this is what I was talking about earlier. I was like freaking out, is I want more books for this. Like this For is, death in general, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, let's. I mean, now some of these little breakdowns, I mean, I don't know. I look at the General's Handbook, and I look at the breakdown that they've just listed here. And I know it's in the regular death pit thing, too. But, you know, you got, you know, um, the soul blights and the night haunts, and it breaks it down. Flesh Eater Quartz is the only one that's kind of big. And, and half yeah. of that is because it's all the war scrolls in it, but a lot of this stuff seems thin. I want to see more books with more, uh, with with a bunch of these units together. Um, and if the unit, if if the things they've designed are too small, then put out a death battle tome, and just break up, break it up that way. It's I mean better than the one they've got now, but more like. You know, with, with these sort of with the with the stuff that they've done for the ghouls, do it with the zombies and the skeletons and stuff. That would oh, I really want to say
1: they would probably have to do new zombie kits, which they should do anyway, because those things are like Scooby Doo, like Old Man Winter style oh, zombies
0: with the power and, fists and the big heads. They're just they're awful. I mean, I, they're the oldest kit out there. I think now I don't think there's an older kit out there that they sell anymore.
1: No, because anything that was on the skeleton horse is gone. Yep. Um, so, no, I think that is the oldest kit still standing, except maybe like the fell bats or the bat swarms, because those things are terrible. Um,
0: I actually, I my mean, bat swarm I got from Reap from Reaper, and it's a it's basically it's it's a little gravestone with tons of little bats, like all just a. Like literally a
1: swarm of little
0: bats. It looks actually yeah. really cool. It's like, oh, I like that. That looks nice.
1: So as opposed to the Castlevania bats they have right now. <laughs> that are all like leaning sideways and flopping at flapping at you.
0: And they're all yeah. they all got a slightly different size stick underneath them, so that they I, I expect them to start going straight up and down and like playing music, like a pipe organ. Boop, beep, beep, beep,
1: boop, beep, beep. Yeah, and then eventually one of them shoots a fireball at you and the like, na 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 or whatever it is for the boss fight in Castlevania. I played a lot of Castlevania as a kid. I'm sorry. I used to play a lot of Castlevania as well.
0: Oh, oh goodness. Oh, but uh Yeah, this I mean this this is I loved it. I loved this book. I really did. I'm I'm so glad we decided to to cover it again. I'm glad that our our producers our associate producers during our 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 quarterly little meeting. uh, We're we're wanting to hear this one Um, because I don't know that I would have gone back to it anytime soon. And uh, it really, you know, sometimes it's like I, you know, grant, you know, I could add this to the list of fifty things I want to do, and it's like, well, it's so far down the line, I'm still not going to do it. But it gets my hobby, you know, gets the juices going. Yeah. It's like I'm not even building fluids. this, but it's like, yeah, necromantic <laughs> fluids are flowing. Oh goodness, this is a kid-friendly show. Um, yeah, but it does. Like, and it's like I may not play this, but it's like I know McClure plays this, and so it's like oh, I got, I got, I got I to gotta go and find a couple of guys who actually play. The, in fact, McClure, if you're listening, come to UGG on 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 March uh, 11th. And uh, and bring some of this stuff. I'd like to play against it and see how it plays, because yeah. I've, I've heard stories and I've seen you playing other players. I'd like to I'd like to to take a take a shot at it.
1: Yeah, it hurts. It hurts a <laughs> lot. Having been on the receiving end of this thing, it's it's pretty massive, and I don't understand why people don't play this army in any sort of like competitive setting, because it's always about the tomb kings, about the tomb kings. I'm. Honest to goodness, more afraid of these guys than I am a lot of the Tomb King stuff that people rant and rave about. So. And th- that Tomb King stuff is good, you know? But I don't know if they they don't do this level of stuff. They don't have this level of synergy. No, they're and, just
0: good, but now that the points changes are the, or at least the possible points changes are going through.
1: Yeah. They're not and gonna
0: they're not gonna do that
1: anyway, so I don't know. I mean, like for me, this battle tome is really what kind of turned battle tomes around. Like this one in iron jaws is where it really started to swing for me into something that it's taking something and developing it and really showing off everything that it can do and can be. So I think this book in particular really just kind of turned everything in the direction that we're heading right now. Cause it, when I read this, it reads a lot like the Zinch book. It reads a lot like the Sylvanas stuff. Obviously, not covering the same things, but that same kind of style where it. Reading this book gets you excited to play this army. And this is different from army books we've had in the past, I think. I don't remember reading any particular book aside from the rules section of it where I'm wanting to play this army. Right. But reading the background of these books. Especially this one, you want to do it.
0: Yeah, they finally took all the stuff that was the stuff that kind of confused me about this particular unit in this army and how exactly it worked, and they just ran with such a great story. And it, it you know, what's amazing is the uh, you know the the Planned Pestilence book didn't get any new models. Oh um, no, it didn't get any combo kits either. This did combo the kit to bring you two new. You know, you got two. Well, basically, one new model: the the flares and the and the flare courtier. Because the courtier, yeah. that's, that's just the hero model. It's nothing special. Um, look, the crypt horror courtier stick a vargeist face on the crypt horror, and that makes him the courtier. Okay, I got you. You know, um, but they didn't get that much either. But the story is still the same story that the that the pestilence has been since
1: forever. Yeah, this is much more compelling.
0: Yeah, I mean, they did do the whole... There's the 13... uh, What is it? The 13 spells of whatever it is that they're trying to get or the 13 plagues. The 13 plagues. Yeah. The 13
1: plagues of Scooby-Doo.
0: Yeah, which is cool. But this, they just went in such a... I mean, they could... If they did this again with another army and didn't bring out a whole bunch of new stuff, just sort of redid the fluff and made, you know, 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 comboed a couple of dual kits and threw in some interesting rules that, that had some nice synergy, I would be happy with this. Oh, yeah. They should have done this with, you know, they, you know what they should do this with? I'm just going to mumble here so that nobody else hears me saying it, but you, Alex, they really ought to go back and, and look at that Seraphon book and see if they can combo <laughs> out.
1: Yeah. Dude, you yeah, could combo should.
0: out a couple of things with that, man. That could be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, they could. I mean,
0: they did. They changed the story on them completely, but they didn't give that whole – it, it, it missed the opportunity. And I think that's the thing that separates this out, besides the awesome story. Because yeah. Seraphon got an awesome story in No New Models, which I think that story is pretty cool. It's weird, but I think it's cool. It fits Age of Sigmar. But story alone didn't quite do it. Um, they didn't
1: reinvent.
0: Right. And or then, reimagine. Yeah, and Pestilence got a re-release with its own book and with a little bit of story, but once again, no re- But this this, this took some pretty common, everyday characters that I had laying around the house, With, like I said, with the exception of that one kit. I have everything in this model except for- I own everything in this army except flares already. So they added flares, that's all they added, but man, like you said, I want to play. So- I hope they do this with more stuff, re- reimagining this with these really cool stories, because uh, it's, it's good.
1: It's very good.
0: But I think that's it. I think we'd be done.
1: I think so, too.
0: Yep. So um, before we go, uh, remind everybody, first of all, the Free Buddhist Network is where you can hear after Ulanor. They are catching up to us. We've got the 11th book. Uh, the first half of it's in the can. The second half is going into the can in the next week or two. Um, But you will be able to get all the old episodes on Free Buddha's Network, and then um, the new ones will be be getting released soon. Hopefully by Adepticon, everything will be out as my plan. Um, And you can find me and Greg on the Free Buddhist forums talking about the episodes once all the episodes get caught up. Uh, Other than that, we still haven't heard from our contest winner from last week, and I don't have his name written down here, but for the music uh, prize. And uh, we might actually be getting some even more new music Uh, A friend of the show contacted us His friend has a band And um, they've got some cool music That they were putting together And it looks like uh, they might be Just allowing us to use their stuff Which, if that happens, cool Because um, I really like the stuff That was done for us But, uh, you know, more variety is always cool And I've got prizes to give away So find me music, guys And you can get prizes Uh, Free music, that is Uh, What else? And, uh Oh, and don't forget uh, once again, uh, Patreon. If you want to help the show, and uh, it seems like every episode somebody uh, you know jumps on, uh, we would really appreciate it. Any anything that you want to you know donate or help out the show with is greatly appreciated. I do want to say uh, give a quick shout out to our uh, some some new patrons. Uh, Clint Mallett just joined up uh, as a patron. Clint. Uh, yep. Uh, Joshua Taus joined in as a patron. Colin Miller joined in as a patron. Uh, Sean Rowbottom. Uh Daniel Jolson. Um, the, if I missed anybody who recently joined in, I apologize. I'm looking down the list. This looks like everybody who just joined. Uh, and I want to thank you all for becoming Patreon patrons. You guys are the reason that we're getting to do cool stuff. And... Um, we had a. I told you my my old computer just about died, and thank God I had backed We have everything else backed up on a hard drive, or I would have lost all the old shows. Um, but we got a new computer. But the problem is, I'm trying to get everything going to get this YouTube video. I've got two YouTube videos filmed. I just got to figure out get them edited and get them up. So that stuff's going to be coming out soon too. And that's all thanks to the patrons. And um, Alex, you and I we well we fixed one of the stupid sound problems I've been having today. We figured that out on a complete fluke, and um, it looks like we're pretty close. I'm hoping by spring break, uh, which is the end of next month, we are going to be live. And hoping sooner, but it looks like I've got everything figured out. I'm not tech-savvy, folks. This is the problem, and Daniel's working, and he finally finished college and got a real job. And now it's like, oh, he's busy. So I'm figuring all this stuff out myself. So if it's taking me a while to get live, we are going to get live. I am excited about going live. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys will join us on that journey as well But I think that's enough For the chit-chatting and then the plugs And the things you should do um, Oh, somebody bought a hoodie Thank you, whoever that was <laughs> Can you, I, I got an email it's like Something was sold and I clicked on it was like a hoodie I'm like, man, someone bought the hoodie That's awesome So thank you whoever decided to buy that hoodie um, yeah. We only get like two, three bucks For anything that sells on the, on the Zazzle site But it's just cool that people are wearing our stuff Um I'll have to talk to you after the show. I'm thinking we might have to do one of those things where once we get some money together, take pre-orders from people, yeah, and just you get, get a new merch and get a real good discount and get a, get the show logos up there and sell the shirts for super cheap because they are expensive when you buy them individually on those those print you know print on demand sites. Absolutely. So maybe we'll get some up because I know Chris Tomlin does that stuff. He throws out all those awesome shirts and stuff like that. So we have to take a page from his book. Um, hmm. Yeah, I mean, heck, I uh, I, I outlasted him uh, drinking that that uh, Saturday night or Friday night at uh, at uh, Wapaca. So uh, now I'm gonna outdo him on shirts too. I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna become the new Chris Tomlin, literally. Oh boy, so, <laughs> won't that be interesting? All right, so folks, that's about it. Alex, good show. Yeah, not too bad. Yep, and um, we'll be back with. Uh, I don't think we're going to be ready for Stormcast next episode. I think we're going to just talk no. some hobby and things <laughs> that we're doing because we're having a lot of fun with, with the hobby stuff. So we'll talk a little. We'll, we'll move off of books and move into some plans for Adepticon and hobby stuff and things like that. So until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful, know no despair, except in failure.